Hey, it's Ricky Carmichael, and you're watching the Moto X Pod Show. What's up, you guys? Jeremy McGrath here. You are listening to Moto X Pod Show. Welcome back to the Vital MX Moto X Pod Show, presented by Race Tech and Boyson. As usual, I have my studio uh, co-host Scotty sitting here. What's up, Scotty? What's good? Coming off of a great Indianapolis Supercross race, terrible track, but hell of a good time watching the racing. Right cross made it for exci- <laughs> some excitement. Also on the line, he's back. Good luck, Michael. Kiss ass. Michael. Oh, God. Michael. 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 No, Michael, no. Michael. 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 Lindsay, what's going on? That's a lot more Michaels than I remember. Jesus Christ. It's about 18 too many Michaels. It's kind of like the, I like the intros, but like the, the foghorn one, even with Lewis is kind of long. I think we can, uh. Shorting those up. He, that's a lot, Michaels. That even gives me fucking anxiety. Yeah. Well, it, maybe gets, it gets me hype, bro. It's 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 aggressive. I like it. Maybe I'll edit it. Maybe I'll take some time to do that too. On top of everything else, Jesus <laughs> just, Almighty. Yeah, just get to work. As I said, we're presented by Racetech, and if you ride, you need to go to Racetech.com. Find your local service center to get your forks and shocks at least freshened up by the world's largest aftermarket suspension company, Racetech. Guys, if you uh, you want to have your service. Find your local service center. You go to racetech.com. You can find a service center with a tech that probably lives near you, comes to your local tracks, can help you out. Uh, This week's service center highlight is CJR Suspension in Alberta, Canada. Charlie at CJR Suspension is the tuner for Ryan, the new Lockhart. We love Ryan. Guy used to go fast. Now he's just getting a little bit overweight, a little out of shape. Still goes pretty fast. But check out CJR Suspension in Alberta, Canada, thanks to Race Tech. ML, this week uh, on the show, we've got, for show 263, we have Factory Huskies Christian Craig coming on after a seventh place at Indy. Your buddy Cody Shock from Phoenix Honda is going to jump on, talk about his season. And now, my friend, and a 450 Supercross winning mechanic, Travis Sewell's working with Ken Roxon, gets his first win. It's going to be a good show, um, ML. I sure hope so. <laughs> okay. i'm excited to, i'm excited to talk to souls we haven't got to catch up with christian and uh i'm always down for a little chat with my buddy with my buddy cody yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun um how was your weekend at home ml you, you wanted a little bit of a break you had a lot of stuff oh to do at home God, how was that was so nice it was so nice uh, going to the races don't get me wrong is fun but but with the schedules for sean lewis like i wasn't supposed to do a string of races there in a row and I have other duties during the week. So it was very nice to sit at home. It is very weird not going to the races, though, when we go to talk about the next week. Like, don't get me wrong. There's things you see on TV um, that sometimes you don't see in person because there is so much going on. But there's nothing like sitting in the stands or in the press box or on the floor, uh, just getting to really take it all in and and see the entire show. Welcome to my little world I got going on over here, Michael. Scott. Oh, fuck, I feel bad for you. It's a terrible world to be in. All I heard from him was he said duty. My duty. duty. He said duty. Oh my God. 
Uh, hey. Things that make me laugh as, as an old dude. <laughs> as an old duty? As an old, an old duty. <laughs> all right, Indianapolis. Uh, first of all, this is the Boyson Intake Open Discussion. And obviously, we're going to talk about the new, the big news of the week. Indy, so there's a lot to talk about with Indy, but the big news, obviously, is Kenny winning. Uh, first time for Suzuki since 2016 with RCH and Kenny's first win since January of last year. Scotty, I mean, we've all kind of been wondering, could he do it? Will he do it? The place was ecstatic. The stadium was ecstatic. I was almost yelling at Justin Barsha, don't you do it? Just let him have the win. It was a great night. Kenny rode great. Just, it, it's such a feel-good story. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this on the way over here. When you look back at this season as a whole like it seemed like there for a while where it was just going to be the three guys mm-hmm. and then to see something like this and to to have proof and facts facts that they all can do it i was just like i, I kind of look back and it's like every weekend has had its own little mini thing to it and it's you know whether it's been cooper battling eli or eli battling chase or chase battling cooper every weekend has had its own little thing and man just kind of like i'm excited to see how it's going to finish and this weekend was you know a good old barsha rocks in battle i mean yeah, it was, different, it, it was it? random it was a yeah. little bit of a surprise but not and I, I thought it was cool that track was insane and those guys you know they sacrificed and went went for it and that was awesome so scotty did you was there a point had we gotten to a point where you thought it's not going to happen for kenny or did this, you still this believe? year on the yeah. this year on that bike? Over yeah, the last few weeks. I no, yeah, I didn't think I didn't think it was going to happen. I mean, I was kind of saying like the last couple of shows, I've been like, how are we not surprised? You know, yeah. I've been more on the other side, like, yeah, I'm, where are we surprised that he's not one? But then all of a sudden, there he is, and you know, ML Ken was good all day. Uh, I think he qualified second. He was second in his heat. He led for a moment before Barsha got him, if I'm not mistaken. He was really good in the whoops all day. Just a great weekend for Ken and I'm curious if you think this could lead to more success now does this do anything different for him um I don't know I I would be still like I will admit um same as probably a lot of people got to the point of is I didn't think it was going to happen um I thought we were past the point if anything the only the only thing I was banking off was maybe triple crown um individual wins some more heat race wins um even after the great heat race the great qualifying I was still kind of in the boat of when that main got started, I'm like, okay, halfway in some, you know, he's going to start falling off the pace, get there. Still hadn't happened. Okay. Three quarters of the way in, it's going to happen. I mean, it got close with Barsha, but he, he did make it happen. Um, I don't know. It, it wouldn't shock me to go either way. If he doesn't get a single win the rest of the season, doesn't surprise me. Still think, uh, you know, both for him and Hep, it's a huge accomplishment. Uh, even if they end out the season with only one win, I think they've got to keep their heads high. I still think they outperformed a lot of people's expectations. Um, if they click off one or two more, huge bonus. Um, I, I I just, I guess we'll see where one thing that um, popped my mind is this weekend did feel very different for me because it has just been the Eli Chase um, uh, Cooper show. Like, I just, I got to the point. I didn't expect any of them, maybe one every once in a while to finish outside the top three, get like a fourth or a fifth. Um, I just kind of feel like it's going to be back to our regularly scheduled programming um, at the next round. There's, there isn't anything that gives me an indication that, you know, yes, Roxham was better. Barsha was better, but I don't know if, if any, if either of them are riding good enough to run the pace when those three do what they normally do. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I wonder about the confidence thing, though, right? I mean, we'll talk to Travis when he comes on about this. Is Now, 
whether Kenny Kenny can tell us all day long he thought he could win. Now he knows he can. So does that change his perspective any? Does maybe he does he stop uh, searching quite so much for the perfect setting, even though that's what he's always done? Just I wonder if it changes his week to week outlook. Um I think he definitely said like he's he's I saw something where he's even talking about wanting to do some outdoor testing because he feels like he's got this bike in a pretty good place in Supercross. Um, but one other thing is he mentioned that he's basically on what he ran before Daytona um, and it was a normal week for him. So, I mean, look at the result of Daytona to this weekend. I, I don't think it's, they definitely found something, but it also can play, play into a result that's fifth or worse mm-hmm. on the, on the same setting pretty easily. Um, there's a lot of other people that I would argue when they get a win, like I really think the momentum shifts for them. I almost don't know with Kenny because I think he just always, I don't know if he ever doubts himself. I I, I don't, yeah, anybody that wins, it's going to help him a little bit. But I would think, uh, my personal opinion is of a lot of the top guys, the top six, seven names in the sport, I almost feel like Kenny would be one of the least affected by winning. I I just think he always believes in himself. So I I don't know if it like big time propels himself or where we talk about with a, you know, sometimes with like a web, when he gets confidence on his side and gets rolling, it's like really dangerous. I just don't know if that falls into the same category with Kenny, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, the next guy we're going to talk about, I think you might have a different answer on once we get to him. But uh, press day, I was interviewing Kenny. I actually overheard him tell somebody else that was interviewing him first. And I asked him about, he said, hey, we have something new we're going to try today. It, at the time, this was Friday morning. He said, we're going to try something else in the second session. And I thought he meant during press. We're going to try a different setting. So then I asked him about it. He goes, yeah, we have another setting, depending on what the track does, that we're going to try in the second session. And I was like, okay. So like you're going to try to do a complete – I thought he was going to try to do a complete suspension chain change on press day. And I went and asked Sewell's about it. He goes, no, no, no like session two tomorrow if the track is a certain way. And they did go to whatever setting that was. So I, I'm hoping Travis would give us a little insight. And maybe you know, ML because you have a chance to reach out to some people. Like what they made a significant change, apparently, of something they found during the week. And they made that change Saturday morning. And, you know, maybe that made a big difference. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm keeping my distance from the HEP truck <laughs> as I've been ordered. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, Scotty, though, again... What do you th- what are your thoughts on his confidence? You kind of agree with ML that Kenny is always pretty confident. He maybe doesn't change anything in his week to week. Yeah, he's always kind of had that that fight in him. Like he knows that he's supposed to be that guy, and I just you know it just wasn't there. And, and to, it's kind of you know unique that he said like, "Oh yeah, we finally got where we want to be with the bike. I'm happy with it." And then he then he backs it up. So like that, I mean, that's pretty cool. That's Kenny. I mean, him holding the Kickstarter was the show shows that. He is not lacking any confidence, and he doesn't care what anybody says. And you know, I good for him, and yeah. that was awesome to see. It was great, I mean, and then seeing his peers, his all the riders that stopped and laid their bikes down and gave him hugs. It was it was just something special. Yes, we've seen that a couple times where, like when Marvin got his first win, and it's just something a little special. That was in Arlington. It's just really, it's really cool to to be there. Uh, yeah. It sucks for you two that you missed out on it, but I mean, you're not dedicated like I am. So yeah, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> no response from me at all. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> Boyson, hey, we're excited to spotlight Boyson's factory racing su- rider support program, a comprehensive support system for motocross and off-road riders. The program offers participants exclusive access to Boyson's products, yearly discounts, and the potential to become one of their new product development test riders. 
Join the community of Boyson Factory Flyers. Visit boyson.com to apply today. We thank Boyson for being a presenting sponsor. So the next guy I want to talk about, Scotty and ML, is Justin Barsha. Guy qualifies third. He won his heat. He came from like seventh or eighth. I don't even know where he was exactly in the first lap to second. Made up a ton of time. Probably had the, or obviously had the speed to win that thing. Maybe if he doesn't battle, if he isn't battling with Cooper for so long, he could win the thing. Barsha has gotten a lot better, Scotty, in those last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think ML has talked about a lot. And Lewis, the, you know, we usually have four to five winners. I believe we're at four this season. Barsha probably is the fifth guy. He's got a win coming. He's just in a good place coming to this, the midway point of the season. Yeah, I think that. You you can't argue that he was you know had that speed like that was he's been slowly getting better. But what I really want to do is answer your question with a question. Oh boy! Um, if oh man, uh oh, if if Cooper does Cooper get the message that obviously he saw Sexton on the ground, he gets the, does he get the message that Tomac's back in eighth ninth? Does if he thinks that Tomac is fourth or fifth catching him? Does he? Does I know he said that he was he felt tight and all that stuff, but Coop being the way he is, does he push and maybe run with Barsha more to catch Kenny and maybe do something at the end if he thinks that he has to do that to get the points lead? He was he was going to he was catching Barsha. He was absolutely terrible in the whoops, faster everywhere else. I think and like I was talking to Mathis that night. I think Cooper gets Barsha. But with about three or four to go, he made a big mistake in the whoops. They didn't show it on TV that I, I saw. And he actually was off the track, off the side of the yeah. whoops, and cost him probably four or five seconds, and that was it. That was it, yeah. Yeah, so, no, I don't think there's – I think he was going to the front also and conceivably had a chance to win the thing. Uh, ML, what are your thoughts on the questions and what uh, Scotty just asked? Uh, I disagree. I don't think he had it. He admitted he didn't. He said even with knowing – what the guy's situation was. He said he couldn't run with Barsha. Um, so, <clears throat> um, no, I, th- I, I think Coop was a little bit, a little bit off. I mean, I, I don't think he would have been able to go. I think, yes, he would have tried harder. If Eli, Eli was there, he admitted that he was, well, so of course he saw chase go down. He said he was aware how far Eli was back and he was tracking him. So he knew he wasn't making progress. Um, but he commented multiple times that he did not feel good or comfortable. So I, Maybe if Eli would have pressured him, he could have engaged something, but I, I really don't think it was his night personally. Yeah, he was, like I said, terrible in the whoops. But there was moments where like, definitely Steve and I thought for a few minutes that he was going to get Barsha back, and he would gain on him almost everywhere and then lose so much time in the whoops and then gain it right back. And the section uh, after crossing the start line where they made the left and went onto the table, he was quite a bit better than Barsha there a lot of the lap. So I, I thought he had something for him. But uh, yeah, I guess if he says he didn't, he didn't. Uh, what about what about Michael uh, Barsha as the next winner? I mean, would you feel like that's probably the case? Um, before Daytona, I I think we had discussed this last, and I was saying I thought that Barsha as a whole was riding better, but I was leaning towards Anderson as being the next winner. Uh, but no, I'm definitely on. If we're gonna get a fifth winner this season, um, I would lean towards Barsha. Um. I feel like him and Anderson both kind of have an even split chance. I think the momentum is definitely in Barsha's court at the moment. Um, however, we get back to a triple crown, triple crown. I could see it maybe falling in Jason's wheelhouse a little bit. Uh, depends on soil and stuff. I think what's really interesting is to see Justin strong in the middle of the season. And maybe, maybe I'm 
just glossing over his career too much because I feel like Justin in the 450 class is typically really strong at the beginning of the season, wins the opener a lot. He's really strong the first couple rounds, has a lull in the middle of the season that's pretty rough, and then kind of comes back at the end of the season. I feel like this is one of the strongest we've seen him at the middle point. Um, To me, that's a little bit unusual with him. So I'm kind of excited to see, you know, is this just going to be a peak for a couple rounds or can he carry this all the way to the end and sort of where Jason's been the the guy who's been no man's land to fourth. Can Justin take over that spot and can he even, you know, can he get closer to that conversation in the top three? Can I want to see somebody. There's one part of me that wants to see the championship. Just keep going with, Coop, Chase, Eli, just to see what happens when the three gladiators go about it. But I also am getting sick of that storyline every week. I would love to see somebody continuously week after week get involved in those battles and and really put pressure on the three we're talking about to not just keep having, oh, I had a rough night, but I settled for third in you know, the, the constant rotation of those three just trading points. I would love to get a Barsha in there every single weekend to put pressure on these guys to perform. To, to not be like, oh, crap, because as soon as you fall back to fourth and one of your guys is winning, like, that's a decent point spread you're losing that night when we're, you know, coming into the last seven rounds of the season. This gets to the point you don't want to give up more than a couple points a night, let alone, you know, potential, like, eight or nine. Yeah, I agree with you. And, Scotty, I feel like there was a couple chances for Barsha to be aggressive. He was a little bit off of where he needed to be to make a really nasty block pass. But I kind of almost feel like he he choked it back a little bit. What we would normally consider the bam bam, like there, he didn't go bam bam on Kenny. And I wonder if that was just because he felt like he didn't have the position, or I'm not going to do that to Kenny. I think I don't think he had. I don't think he would have like done Kenny like he maybe would have Anderson or somebody else. But I don't think he ever really got the chance. I think maybe you know if he had gotten up to Kenny a little bit faster, because I went and rewatched the race last night and he. He, you know, he got into, he got, rewatching it, he got into second faster than I thought he did time-wise. Mm-hmm. And then Kenny kind of maintained that gap from eight minutes to three minutes pretty good. And that's kind of when Barsha caught back up to a little bit. I think if he had got to that point with at more of the four or five minute mark, I think he would have had more of a chance to do it. So I don't think he really took it that easy. Did he, did he do anything like crazy and cross rut, like six ruts to, to, to get to him? no. But I, I I think that if he had had a couple more chances, you would probably would have seen something a little bit different. ML, do you think he was playing nice? I, I just think with any of those guys, the way the track was laid out in the sections, I, I don't know if you, you were so trapped in your line. It seemed like the riders were so focused on survival at times. I don't know if there was enough room for him to work on just like, oh, I'm going to dive bomb here or there. Like, it kind of... Again, a conversation um, me and Lewis were having because we had to have a, a sexting conversation, of course. And I said one of my thoughts on on Chase versus Justin and Kenny that night was I thought maybe Chase was still treating the track a little bit too much like it wasn't as broken down as it was, taking, you know, willing to push in sections that maybe you shouldn't have. Where Barsha and Kenny, don't get me wrong, they're, they're world-class riders, but it's kind of funny. There's moments where they looked a little more tentative, a little more patient, like the way they'd hop on the tables and off, like trying to land in the holes correctly and get off and just trying to work around what was a very nasty track. Um, I think a lot of that played into, you, you would see how many laps um, Justin would gain all that ground through the whoops, over the on-off, and then there was that triple, couple singles into that left-hander before the finish. That was where Justin would blow because he would try to go inside and get hung up, 
there's so many times he had enough of a run coming off that triple to that inside where I'm like, man, if it was more of a, if it wasn't so rutted, so nasty, I could have seen him just shooting across, mm-hmm. you know, up to the berm and trying to, trying to stop Kenny there, but they were tiptoeing by the time they got to the corner. Um, so that's kind of, I think it's so many of the sections, like it seemed like they were having to work so hard to set up for their lines that I don't know if there was really enough room for, for uh, really aggressive, um, moves it, yeah. it seems like it would take so much to get across the ruts and and get into those positions i really thought kenny blew it on that last lap on the oh, when he, yeah after the, after the whoops like that with the left and the onto the table yeah i thought it was over dude yeah. imagine if um in that moment if justin because justin got tentative when he got on when kenny made a mistake instead of committing off i think if Justin would have committed off. I, I don't know if they would have, there would have been a little bit of contact. I don't think it would have been bad, but for me, that was kind of the moment that I thought Justin, you know, that was the the moment it could have happened. If Justin would have committed and just said F it and sent like, that'd be a great example of Justin, not maybe, yeah, being a little bit tentative because he could have just very easily said, screw it, jumped on the on and off right there and, and tried to make the move happen. Yeah, I was I was surprised. I thought I, I kind of my caught my breath for a moment. <laughs> Felt so bad for Kenny, but he saved it. Really, really stoked for the guy. Uh, Kickstart Kenny gets his win. <laughs> it's on, dude. And uh, <laughs> uh, on the broadcast, dude, he was. I heard Kickstart Kenny like six times. Oh yeah, They're, Kickstart Kenny. Dude, my nephew, <laughs> my nephew's all about Kickstart Kenny. It's it's a thing. It's a definitely they they've they're using it as marketing. It's working. Yep. Let's move on to Eli ML. I, I have gotten a lot of texts, a lot of people saying, oh, he's he's injured. He's hiding an injury. I don't believe that. I think uh, he qualified fifth. Not great. Just not good all day. Fourth in his heat. Uh, eighth in the main. Just uncomfortable. And I think what we've learned from Eli over the last couple of years is he's not going to cross that line anymore when he's uncomfortable, like maybe a few years ago where he'd make a dumb mistake. He's playing it safe. He'd lost a few points, uh, you know, in the championship, but he came out of there healthy. I think he's just riding smart and a little tentative when he's uncomfortable. Uh, you agree? Or do you think there's an injury that we don't know about? Nah, I don't think there's an injury after how he rode at Daytona. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just think Eli, I'm trying to think of what round I, I interviewed afterwards and he's made a couple comments that, you know, I think he's just more selective. Um, he isn't going to, and I wonder if that's partially just how he is with age in general. If a little bit is from the, what was a two crash earlier this year, if he's just kind of put trying to play the long game. Um, I'm not saying like, I still don't think it was a good performance. Like I look at it as I think even on his worst nights, I think Kenny should not have been beat by Christian AC. I think he should at least been, you know, on Anderson. So I don't think even if he was playing damage limitation or, or being cautious, I think he still didn't do a great job of it. Um, I think there was easily two positions there for him, even even on a, a rough night. But no, there's nothing I've heard or indicates to there's a, a wider problem. I just think, you know, he had one of his nights and just played it, played it a little too close to the chest and just took it a little too easy. Yeah, when I was watching the timing and scoring and I saw, I mean, he, AC was only two seconds ahead of him, like the whole, like for a while. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that. It was like, I was like, oh, you're going to at least get, you're going to at least get that. And then it didn't happen. I mean, he just... He was not going to do anything more than he was doing, and I think it's just smart and experience. And you know, he's he's older. He knew that he couldn't necessarily 
win the championship that night because it just the track just wasn't going to happen. He wasn't feeling it, and I think he would rather have an eighth than to go, try to go get a fourth and then wreck and then possibly get that injury. And a DNF would have really been bad in the championship. So I think it was just a smart tactical championship move. I agree. Um, ML, any rumors or anything you hear about some kind of significant? Changes within the Eli camp suspension or anything that he might be changing in the future. I've kind of heard some little bitty rumors. Uh, nothing too much. They had a big test more. I think it was shock wise before I think it was Oakland. Um, I really don't know what they've been, been working on the last uh, couple weeks. I haven't, I haven't discussed it with anyone over in that neck of the woods. Okay. Well, I did make a, call or a text to Ulrich to try to get Eli on for next week. I haven't got any kind of confirmations or any response whatsoever, but hopefully we can get Eli on in the next week or two. Scotty, what about Cooper Webb? Um, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh. You said we've heard something, and then you moved on because I didn't say it. Come on, come on, spit it out. Well, <laughs> I, I just heard some rumors that maybe Gilly could be going somewhere else or something like that. That would really shock me. Um Okay, I, let's hit, look, well, again, you're you're leaving me out to dry here. Come I on. just overheard a conversation that somebody <laughs> that that there could be some like Gilly could be going somewhere else, and then the other person in that conversation said, "No way, you know, Eli and him were too tight." And then the other guy's like, "I don't know, it's what I heard." So I, I just <laughs> didn't know if you'd heard anything. I didn't really want to throw anything out there unless oh, you can't you cannot you start a conversation <laughs> with oh I heard something. Let's let, let's let ML freaking bury himself yeah. this week again because he keeps doing that lately. Well, Gossip side over here. Ooh, yeah, ouch. gossip. No, it's stir the shit side is what this is. This is uh, that's my new. Yeah, you're stir the shit side. You don't even. You just want to leave me out to dry. I see how it is. He goes to one race, is all stoked. Like, yeah, ML screwed. He doesn't get to come anymore. Now, if you knew something, you would tell us. If not, okay. Well, well apparently on. I would, but you wouldn't unless I put pressure on if you. If I peer pressure knew, peer pressure is a bitch. If I actually knew something, I would say it. But I just heard oh, you weren't going to. You weren't I going didn't to. Know. I just heard something that was sort of superficial. If you had heard some details, then we could talk about it. Damn. Scotty, Cooper Webb. Uh, uh, Cooper Webb. Like, anything stand <laughs> wow. out? Wow. Uh, Cooper, oh, Cooper Webb. Cooper <laughs> Webb. Points lead now fun. with not a great ride, but the ride he needed. He just kind of – he didn't crash. He kept it together other than the one off-track excursion. Didn't really cost him a whole lot of time. Championship mode right now. I think it was mm-hmm. a smart ride, a safe ride, but he was horrible in the whoops. I mean, absolutely – but so were – a lot of the guys, Eli, a lot of the guys. Yeah, I, you know, you think that a, a jumping whoop section would benefit Coop, but it, it was just, I mean, that was just such a bizarro track, man. Like, like it's, it's, it seemed kind of bizarro. like a more old school. Like it almost felt like, like a 2009 track. And honestly, what's funny is this isn't really about Cooper, but one of my buddies takes, he's known for having exaggerated takes, but somehow in the long run, it actually makes sense. And he was like, Roxon's on a 09 Suzuki and on a 09 track, and that's why he's winning. <laughs> okay. Uh, ML, Cooper Webb, just a smart ride, I think. looked. I thought, like I said, I said earlier, I think he looked really good. I think he did have something for Barsha still in the end. We disagree on that. But, um, yeah, Cooper Webb with the points lead. Um, I think the big thing is Coop, Coop continues to show that of, you know, between himself, Eli, and Chase, I think he just – the man knows how to execute on the nights he needs to execute, even when things aren't maybe going his way, whatever it is. Um, he just still gets it done, and that's that's why he's 
won the titles he has. That's why you can never doubt him. I think it comes back to even coming into the season on some of the prediction shows, the ones Racer X did, the one we did. Like one of the biggest kickbacks we got is people thinking that we were saying, Oh yeah, Eli's still a or sorry, Cooper's still a title contender, and people are just losing. It's mm. like, what do you guys not realize what this guy is freaking capable of? Um, and it's it's nights like last night when when you know the others falter and he just continues to put himself in a in a good situation. Um, that's what's gonna make him dangerous as we we chip down the rounds. Um, Chase and Chasing Lyle have some bad nights here and there, and it's just hard to see Coop really, really having any issues. Um, yeah, it's it's I'm just in the last couple of rounds, I'm definitely leaning a little bit heavier towards the the coop being the the my favorite of the three. What what's more of a motivator slash confidence boost? Cooper getting the red plate, that's obviously like to him, that's you know, he's like, okay, well, I've got this. This this is working. Or is it gonna be more of Tomac responding to I lost it, I'm going to Detroit, I'm I'm a guy at Detroit. And does that which which one is greater? Cooper getting the red plate or Eli losing it? Let's come back to that. Cause first WUSA is your source for all things wheels. If you're looking for a complete set of wheels for your bike, we have something for every budget. If you want to use the same wheels used by Eli Tomac, Cooper Webb, Malcolm Smith, Christian Craig, Chad Reed, and Jeremy McGrath, just to name a few, we have what you need. Give us a call or check out our website, WUSA.com, or follow us on Instagram to see some of the latest and coolest builds we've done. Use promo code MOTOXPODSHOW to save at WUSA. Tonight, WUSA brings us Christian Craig from Rockstar Husky. What's up, Christian? What's going on, guys? Not much, man. Glad to uh, finally get you on this year. It's good to have you. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think Indy was a really good ride for you. I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, qualified seventh, you know, seventh in the main. Not not a a good night. I think it's you're coming along. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, after Daytona, I was I was pretty frustrated with that that night and and how I rode. Um, kind of had to take a step back and just like and just like simplify things, you know, the way, the way I was coming into the race and my expectations, I kind of had to just reset my focus. Um, obviously a seventh isn't the greatest, but, um, I think my riding was better. Um, I was just, just doing my laps. I was just being, you know, trying to do what I do during the week. And I think that's what I did. And I was, I was a little bit closer to, to where I feel I belong. And, um, yeah, we're getting there. I, I think, um, I can I can be a little bit better, but yeah, seventh we'll take it and go to Detroit. I mean, you started out the season with a thirteenth, three elevenths, a tenth. You're definitely getting better. I know you've been doing a lot of work on the bike, trying to get it more. You're more comfortable, and and you've admitted that you know there's some confidence issues there too, right? When you're when you're struggling with the bike and struggling with your uh, finishes. So I, I have to feel like those things are, like you just said, getting better as the bike gets better, the confidence gets better, the results gets better. And, you know, as we move on to the end of this first full season on a 450, I feel like you're going to be a lot more confident in where you want to be in the next three, four weeks. Yeah, I think each round I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little bit more comfortable with the guys I'm battling with. Um, I think just, just getting myself up there and put myself, um, you know, towards the front and just – finding that pace out that's where i'm going to learn the most so trying to do that my starts have kind of been trash um and it's you know it's it's mainly me i just need to be i need to attack the start more um and i think 
you can say that's that's kind of a confidence issue and um but when when my riding is is doing as good it is as it is now um i should be able to to start up towards the front so that's the goal this week is to improve those and yeah i mean i mean i got a good uh group of people i'm training with and yeah i mean there's there's no reason i shouldn't be you know improving each week when you talk about the confidence on the start, is that literally something you're on the gate and are you in your own head a little bit kind of talking to yourself? Like, Oh yeah, I don't know. For don't, sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. There's a million things going through your head on the line. Um, it, it's probably, you're probably up there for five to 10 minutes, um, before the gate goes. And, you know, it feels like an eternity. Um, you know, it's, it's just keeping yourself calm and focused. Um, it's easy to, kind of steer away from that and think about negatives but uh you know i've been here before i've done a lot of these gate drops so i know what i you know i need to shift my focus to and um i've whole shot a lot of races so it's not like that i can't do it it's just it's believing in myself and and executing it when it matters you know definitely uh continuing that that conversation on the on the starts christian so when you get to the 450 class you're in with all the biggest players um do you do you find it all like little moments off the start? If you don't get quite the jump, if you don't get quite the moment, do do you tend to back off like a little more just because of some of the names around you? It makes you instantly go, oh, like I, I got to check up and go inside versus when you're on the 250, you just kind of have the mental strength or confidence to basically try to make it work even if the jump isn't quite perfect or, you know, if somebody's just a, a little bit up on you coming out, out of the first like 10 feet. Yeah. Yeah. You pretty much, you know, nailed it. Um, I think if I don't have that like initial really good jump and I'm kind of bar to bar with someone, I've, I've been the one that's checked up first, um, this season. And, you know, if you go back to last year, I'm, I'm putting my elbows up and making my, myself come out up front. So it's little things like that, but it all stems from, you know, just, executing it right away and when i'm confident in that then you know i'll have no no problem getting those elbows up and and muscling my way through the front so um you know this is a lot harder class for sure that i'm in now and um but i do feel that i can you know i think my star average is i don't even know what it is now but it's 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 garbage you know so (laughs) that's my that's kind of my goal this week is is to fix that one one other start question, just to give like a, a fan maybe a perspective that they would never have. Um, between the two fifty and the four fifty class, do the guys act different in the first corner on on four fifties? Do you know we think of the inertia the size of the bike? Do the guys push out more? Are they all such race veterans? Do more of them close off the door and it's not as easy to be like, oh, I I'm hugging the tough block. I'm going to sneak around the inside. Do you actually see? have you seen those over the couple opening rounds where in the four fifties, maybe there isn't as many opportunities or is it really, uh, am I over saying it's not really any different than the two fifty class? Yeah. I mean, everyone, it, both classes get pretty hectic in the first corner. You know, it's, there's so many guys that want that start, but I think, um, in the four fifty class, especially the main event, you're dealing with so many veterans that have been there so many times and, you know, are in the same position as me. And, think they know what it takes to get a whole shot so um i think it's just like yeah it's that first five feet i would say is where you're gonna get it you know if you can get off that gate and get over the rut um and get that shift 
then you know you're going to control it so it's that initial hit that i need to uh be better on hey christian when when you've been racing and you get going through the mains has it felt like throughout the season that a top five has been just something that's out of reach or does it feel more of man i should really be there uh, and i just and it just hasn't happened yet or has there been points in the season where it's kind of been both of those stories uh well after those like three elevenths, i was pretty lost <laughs> mentally um you know, I was, I was frustrated. I was searching and, um, I think thinking too much. So I, like I said, I just needed to simplify things. I, I know how to ride a dirt bike. I know what it takes to be up front. And I was just not letting myself do that, you know? And so for a while there, I was just like, wow, top five would be amazing. You know, like, uh, I was so far back at, at first. And, um, once I got, you know, I think, uh, the first seventh at Oakland, I'm like, okay, you know, I do have it still, I, I can do it. And, uh, that put some confidence back in myself and yeah, Daytona was, wasn't great, but not every race is going to be, you know, your best. So it's just like, do what you can. Um, and honestly, like Indianapolis was, I'm not a guy that, is the greatest in ruts. I'm more of a hard pack slippery kind of guy. And so, you know, going into that race, I'm just like, huh, all right, well, let's see if I know how to ride ruts. And, um, yeah, I think just being calm and being, um, very like patient with my line choice is where it paid off later in the main event. You know, when you talk about, you've wrote, you've raced four fifties before, obviously in Supercross, but this is the first full season how different is it than you were prepared for and, and coming off of a 250 championship? Did you feel maybe coming in a little overconfident for what you have been presented with? Uh, possibly. I mean, I know I have the speed. That's the thing is, so I, I, I'm expecting a lot out of myself, but you know, after my first few rounds, it, it was more frustrating than anything. So, um, yeah, I've done these 450 races before, but I was a full-time 250 guy, and these were just fill-in rides. It was more just like go have fun and you know see where you fit in. And uh, now it's you know what I, I got to show up every weekend and and battle with these guys. So uh, yeah, it's been um, a roller coaster so far this season. But you know I've been at every round. I've been showing up and, and putting my best foot forward. I'm I'm trying and I'm trying to learn more and more each weekend. And yeah, just uh, these dirt, this dirt bike racing stuff is pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not if it was easy, everybody would do it. Um, yeah. On the mental side that you've talked about, I know you've worked with Connor Fields and he's helped you out. But when you get in a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use the term dark place. I don't know if it's really dark or not, but where you're not happy, you're not believing in yourself what are the processes you use to try to get back to a positive spot? What do you do? Do you find a quiet place? What are your tools? Gosh, there's, there's just little things that will make you click, you know, it's just, uh, say I have like a frustrating heat race and it's hard to get out of my head that, uh, just having my family around, like my kids will lighten up the mood. Um, you know, having Jagger there or, just my little one that doesn't care what place I get. Those little things are what will kind of trigger my mind to forget about the, 
you know, the bad writing I was doing and, and shift my focus. But I think um, what what makes me click the most is just like, all right, just just bring what I do during the week. Just ride like I do. You know, like don't um, – I don't need to over-focus. I don't need to – try to hit this rhythm a certain way. It's just like I've done it a million times and just treat it like another practice day. So I know it's easier said than done. And um, yeah, but it's, it's been tough, but I'm, I am enjoying it. I'm having fun with the team. Like I'm growing with the bike, um, enjoying it with, with Alden and the whole program here. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's just taking a little bit longer to get these results, but we'll get there. A little bit of a, a flashback, couple weeks here. I remember Arlington um, press day. I think you were the first guy to wheelie over that uh, roller bump and then go like three, four on that. Yeah. And then I watched. Yeah. I watched Eli took seven attempts. I think from doing couldn't stay on balance doing it. Took Kenny a while to do it. Little stuff like that. I, I remember watching that and going, man, he, he like <laughs> not doing a reminder. You know how to ride a motorcycle. But I was like, damn, that was really really impressive. I would say watching little stuff like that, I, I kind of felt like, okay, I, I'm sure at this point you're coming along at least with your your confidence on the bike, on the 450. Is that little stuff like that? Is that how you're riding during the week? Is that part of why you're frustrated sometimes a weekend? Because, I mean, I think even in your qualifying at Arlington, you were three-tenths off the top spot or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's frustrating for everyone around me too because – like my practice mechanic and Alden and, you know, everyone at the track will see how I ride during the week. And there's like, there's no reason you, you shouldn't be better, you know? And so they're trying to get that, that out of me on Saturday. And, and it's, uh, it all comes down to me and, and just uh, letting myself do it, you know? So I think you're seeing it. It's coming along slowly, but surely like qualifying is improving. Um, heat races, I'm a little bit closer. So these little things are, are showing, but yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm waiting for that, you know, that breakthrough to, to come in the main event. So I, whenever I hear the conversation about somebody being potential to going to one of the three Austrian brands these days, um, I feel like there's still some up and downs with some riders, whether they want to go to Alden's or not. Like some people, I don't know if they're afraid of the workload, don't want to work with them. Some people are super excited, uh, if I remember right, when I heard originally that you signed with uh, Rockstar Husky, I heard that was something you were actually super excited about. What's that process been like? What's it been like working with Alden? Was there any real big culture shock um, to to that transition? Yeah, um, when I signed, I that was uh, that was something I asked for in my contract is you know to be with Alden and be on the 450 side um, and. At, at the Baker's factory, he's got two different sides. He has a Mike Brown that helps the 250 guys. Um, and then his side is the 450 side. So uh, we all ride together and stuff, but I asked, you know, to be with him and to do everything under, you know, his watch. And um, obviously his uh, resume speaks for itself. So I've always wanted to, uh, to try, you know, his program and, yeah, it's been a, a lot of learning, but um, it's not easy, I'll tell you that. And um, I didn't expect it to be. I expected it to be hard, and, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything he's asking. And so, yeah, it's just uh, just trying to grow and get better and try to improve each weekend. So what 
um, if you don't mind me asking like really precise, uh, or if you have one item you could talk about, I mean, you've worked with Swanee Westling, a lot of great trainers in this sport. Um, working with Baker, is there like one item that was really different than anywhere else you've been that you were shocked? Like, Oh, you can do this to be better on a dirt bike, whether it was something diet or even a, just a specific workout. Was there anything that really stood out to you that you were uh, surprised about? Mm, no, I mean, each guy that I've, I've worked with, um, I've taken a lot from, you know, and learned from, and some things work better for me, you know, and Swanee was awesome. Um, I think, um, a lot of the top trainers kind of are in the similar range of motos, laps, gym, cycling, and, uh, it's all, you know, it's pretty simplified. It's nothing crazy. It's, you go there, get your laps in, you make sure you do your motos, you know, you show up on time, um, get in the gym and, you know, you do what he says. That's, uh, you know, you don't ask questions. So no, it's been good. It's been learning though. Just, um, trying to get to know him more and, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool though. It's like, yeah, I'm later in my, in my career, but you know, I'm glad I get to, uh, have this opportunity with them. Christian, did you feel that when Mookie had an early exit to the season, did it kind of change like the pressure that you felt from the team or did it kind of give you like, Oh, like I'm the sole guy now. How did that change affect you in any way? Or did, did it really just change stay the same? No, I was, I was more bummed than anything. Um, I was half a second behind him in the moto <clears throat> the Monday he, he crashed. Um, after that race, it was during a practice day. We were just doing a moto and I was literally following him off the double and he slid out after it and thought nothing of it. And then, you know, a couple of days later I heard he was, you know, injured. So more bummed than anything. Um, it was such a cool off season with everybody and especially with Mookie, he always keeps the, the mood light, you know, and, uh, keeps it fun. So especially him and, uh, AP, it's always a good time at the shop. So, um, no, that didn't change anything. Didn't change the pressure or expectations or anything. Just, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm the sole 450 guy now. So, um, but yeah, nothing changes other than just, just bum for Mookie and the team. Christian Craig tonight brought to you by WUSA. Yeah. Christian also, so kind of going back to the main from this weekend, when you are catching a guy like Eli towards the end of that race, I does does it change? I know a pass for seventh is not really where you want to be, but when you pass a guy like Eli for seventh, does does that does that change how that pass feels? And stole my question. Does it feel like does it does it feel any different? You know, with with it being him. <laughs> well, uh, I'm uh, my brother is actually the team manager of the 450 team, so I texted him after. I'm like, I know Eli was probably riding at thirty percent and didn't feel comfortable, <laughs> but. You know, I did pass your rider, so I had to give him a little jab, <laughs> you know, because that might be the only time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that that was obviously not not Eli at his best. But, uh, yeah, everyone everyone goes through struggles, and we battled pretty much the whole main. He got me early on, um, like lap two, and then I followed him pretty much the whole time just through the pack. And um, we yo-yoed back and forth, and then I think three, four laps to go, he uh, – made a mistake in the whoops and yeah, I just, I pounced on it and it was a, 
you know, it was like, wow, okay. You know, even the best struggle sometimes and you kind of realize that. And, um, yeah, that was a, that was a crazy night for sure. Yeah. I mean, you had to, have, you know, like you said, he didn't have his full effort, but you had to, you feel better that you still got him. You know, if he had still beat you at 30%, that probably would have hit harder than, you know, the, the fact that you got him probably made it easier. Yeah. I mean, when, when I'm battling with him, I can tell he's, I can tell he's, he's riding tight and he's not the best. And I mean, I didn't feel the best either. I don't think anybody did on that track. That thing was, I think everyone was just trying to stay upright. Um, especially in those whoops, like I was just doubling through them and, and trying to be smooth. But, um, I think just, just making the least mistakes and little things like that is what, what helped me kind of move towards the front. And I, I would think I was 0. 0.0113 before, behind, uh, AC over the finish. So really close to sixth. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, a. Uh, uh, two more questions for you, Christian. I'll let you go with the bike, the changes you've been looking for. Um, how different is the bike compared to what it was a month ago? Uh, a lot different. Yeah. In the off season, I was changing the bike to a certain way that it just, it didn't want to work and I was trying to make it work. Um, and then, you know, I, I realized that pretty quick early on in the series and we steered back to towards, uh, you know, what most of the guys run on it. And, you know, that seemed to help me quite a bit, but yeah, just, uh, always trying some stuff, just little things. I feel like I have a, the past three, four weeks, I've had a pretty good, uh, base with it and just tweaking it here and there to, uh, to try to get it, you know, a little bit better and, and try to improve myself and get myself more confident. But the bike is, is obviously fully capable of winning. And, um, you saw that early on with, with Malk, you know, he's his first two rounds, he was, you know, one of the fastest guys out there. So it is a race, you know, it's capable of winning. So I just need to, uh, step up to the plate. All right, I got one more question, and this is just because we in the media are all, and are always looking for storylines or whatever, you know. And at Daytona, or when when RJ when RJ comes in and wins a heat and looks really good on the bike, and then you hear us going, "Oh, I wonder how Christian feels about that." Do you <laughs> how how does that react? How do you get? What is your reaction to that? Does it even matter? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously I want to you know beat everybody out mm -hmm. there but for sure when when rj won that heat it stung a little bit and um yeah it was uh it fired me up for sure and yeah it's uh it was i'm not taking anything away from him you know that was that was awesome and, and good for the team and to come in to race the 450 race like that and do that that was awesome and you know we did have a battle in the main for a little bit there but yeah it did sting and um fired me up for sure so you, you found some positives out of it, though. It gives you a little more motivation, a little more fire. I like that. Yeah, I mean, you could take it one of two ways. It's like you can, you know, beat yourself up for it or, you know, just be like, all right, I need to be better. And, you know, RJ just stepped up to the plate and, and made it happen in that heat race, mm -hmm. and I didn't. So just little things like that that I need to, uh, yeah, just be better with. Okay. ML's got one more for you, and we're going to let you go. Yeah, I was kind of curious. Actually, you mentioned your your brother, of course, um, running the the Monster Energy uh, Star Yamaha 450 program. You're working with Nate Ramsey right now, so you've you know your brother is 
you're running literally the uh, championship defending team at the moment. What's the difference in the the management style? It, it also is also tough to answer where you were riding for your brother. Maybe you got a little little bit more crap from him than than anything. But <laughs> you know, I, I think team managers are a weird role in this sport. Not everybody does the same stuff. Like some are really hands on with bike stuff. Some are hands on with riders. Some are more of a managerial style. Like, can you maybe give us? It, it was there much of a difference between working with the two? Uh, it's it's tough because one of them was my brother you know so i can i could be a little bit more comfortable with him um ask for more stuff or just little things you know like and if i'm mad he can he can straighten me up where i feel like nate is still learning me um and is learning what what makes me click and what you know will, will fire me up too so yeah, you can't really compare those two, but uh, yeah, it's been awesome. Like Nate's obviously, I, I watched his whole career, and he knows what he's he's doing and knows what he's talking about. So I always try to take in anything he says, you know, um, on track walk or anything like that. So it's been fun though. It's uh, just getting to know this whole team and and grow and and try to be better. It's uh, it's been fun. Christian, man, thanks for your time tonight. I I know doing these podcasts is not always the writer's primary excitement for the week. So thank you for making some time for us. And it's always a pleasure to have you on, man. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right, Christian, tell the family we said hi and uh, yeah, see you in a, I'll see you in a few weeks and ML see you this weekend. All right. All right. All right. See it. That's Christian Craig from rockstar Husky. Glad he came on. Um, all right, Scotty, let's get back to your question about the red plate. Ask it again. Oh, God. So people remember. <laughs> Uh, but again, Chris Craig brought to you by WSA. Thank you, WSA, for bringing him on. So I was saying is, what is what is going to be a bigger difference? Cooper getting the red plate and that momentum he gains from that or the motivation that Eli gets from losing the red plate, especially going to a place like Detroit where Tomac is known to be very strong? I personally don't think Eli really cares they lost the red plate. I think he, he knows where he – he knows he's only a point down. He's fine. I think Cooper probably builds the most confidence out of this. And again, like Michael said earlier, he's been the one that's been most consistent, mm-hmm. not making that many major mistakes. I think that just makes him stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. And he knows like, man, oh, that's fine. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. So in my eyes coming off this weekend, red plate or not, Cooper's in the better spot. ML. No, I, I would agree with that. I'm, I think Coop feeds off that kind of stuff a lot more. So I would definitely lean towards he's going to get the bigger boost out of this. I think that Eli just knows what, what he needs to do to get it done. Um, Yeah. The, there's also still the third part of the equation though. Like we still have chase. Uh, we're going to a hard pack track. Yeah. So there, there's a third, ele- you know, there's the elephant in the room with, with Sexton. Um, So I don't know if, if, if I can just focus on the, the Eli, um, Cooper part of this conversation without without chiming in that yeah hard pack like Detroit might be a little bit more of an Eli track but when I think of a hard pack track I throw Chase in there um, I said this a couple weeks ago I thought it was really inter- it didn't play out quite how I thought but I said after Daytona that I thought Coop would be the best of the three in Indy I said he'd win he didn't but he was the best of the three and I said that I think Chase will win Detroit um, and keep himself in it and I, I still kind of stand behind that I, I think Chase will rebound and get the most out of Detroit Scotty, how do you feel about that answer? Yeah, I, I think Cooper probably takes the most out of that kind of stuff. And to to Michael's point, if, you know, the third the third part of that equation, 
I mean, Sexton comes out and wins two races in a row, which is you no, know, not out of the out of the realms of possibility for him to do. He does that, and then boom. I mean, that's that's the the five to ten points that he needed, and he's and he's back in there, and it's it's just tightens right back up. So I think there's a lot to to be with all the three of them, mm-hmm. but I th- I do think that Cooper takes the most from the points plate. Yeah, I think Cooper Webb has a clear vision of what the rest of the season looks like for him. You know who else has a clear vision? I. Feeling like I have a good idea. X-Brand goggles, <laughs> which has quietly grown into one of the premier goggle choices available. Using some of the most grueling conditions by the 2022 GNCC XC2 champion Lyndon Snodgrass, the 2022 GNCC ATV Pro champion Bryson Neal, Factory Huskies Craig Long, who just won this weekend, myself, who got second in just brutal conditions in uh, Florida. Thanks to ML for my for support. Is he laughing? No, I'm pointing oh, at I, your I, plaque. I, I, I'm I pointing at your plaque. Yeah, my plaque. <laughs> but yeah, check out your local dealership for X-Brand goggles distributed through WPS or go to xbrand.com and find you some X-Brand goggles. They are, they are fantastic. They're the best of the best. Um, ML, the track this weekend at Indy, brutally ruddy, just broke down, soft, gnarly as any track probably we've ever, one of the, you know, the more gnarly conditions we've seen. Part of me goes, oh, it's almost like not cool for Supercross, but then it made for such great results and some different storylines. Maybe it wasn't so bad. I'm always for different conditions. It was like all the guys bitching about the sand earlier this year. It's dirt bikes. You get paid or item. Sorry <laughs> if the track makes you feel like a C-class rider. Now you know what we all feel like every weekend. <laughs> it is what it is. You're all on the same line. You're all dealing with the same situation. May the best man win. Here's the other thing. I know they went bitch. Racing at the end of the day is partially is really for the fans entertainment. We're the ones watching it. We're the ones spending the money. We're the reason these guys are getting paid. Give me a show. I'm all for it. Scotty, what I like about that, the watching that race is I, I watch a race like Indy. I'm like, God, they look so bad. I mean, I bet that's like, I could do that better than that. Like it almost makes me feel confident that, I could do Supercross better than some of those guys because the conditions were so bad. Did you feel that way watching? There was one part where it showed the the finish line, and it was kind of slowly zooming in. Yeah. And you could tell, like, the like the, the closer it got, the more pixelated it got. And there was, like, one of the ruts looked like a black hole. Like, it was, <laughs> like, you could not – it was so dark that you could not literally – like, you didn't know what it was. It was like a void. Yeah. Like, there was – you would have – dude, you would have been done yes, so fast. It's, it's great watching these – most talented dirt bike riders on the planet struggle because it like Emma just said, it makes me feel a little bit better, but let's move on. Uh, when it comes to triple clamp suspension and chassis parts, there's no comparison. Luxon MX makes the best parts you can buy. Luxon's advanced, advanced engineering background and techniques allow them to develop products that are unlike the rest, lighter and stronger with optimized stiffness to enhance your riding comfort and precision. Luxon products are designed, engineered, and made in the USA. So check them out online at luxonmx.com. Use promo code MOTOXPOD to save. Tonight, Luxon MX brings us from Phoenix Honda, Cody Shock. What's up, Cody? Not much, man. How are you? Doing good, dude. Uh, yeah, did you feel like a squid out there this weekend? Uh, to be honest, not not that bad. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I Surprisingly, I adapted to the truck uh, way easier than I thought of, so that, that was a plus. Yeah, so you and I talked preseason. We did a little article for uh, Vital, 
and you, we talked about you coming off the knee injury and how 22 obviously didn't go how you expected. And your goals were to be better than 21, which I think was a ninth overall. You're sitting 10th mm-hmm. right now, not too far out. What do you, how do you feel about your season so far through the first few rounds of the East Coast? Uh, I feel like it's kind of gone the way that I expected it to. Um, considering that I wasn't able to like actually have a proper off season and create a base. Um, I had to race myself into shape. So I will say the first two rounds went better than, uh, I thought. And then the third round, which was our triple crown. Um, yeah, that was, that was the round that I got hurt at last year. And I just, I don't know. The, I was happy with my riding, but just not everything was clicking. Like I just didn't have like the luck um, that I needed. So I was happy to just come out of that one healthy. And then coming into um, Indy, I was um, I was actually really happy with my riding. Um, no, it, it's it's I d- I'm not gonna sit here and say oh it's it's been phenomenal or it's been easy. It's definitely been a struggle um a lot of it it's i felt like it's been more mental than physical um so i've just been trying to keep like a level head and take all the positives and just continue to bring those into every weekend yeah so what are the little things that besides the with well with the mental that you what are the little things that you need to improve on to make that next step to get inside the top 10 in points uh, I, I probably have to be put myself into better positions in the main. Um, my starts have been, been good, but I feel like they need to be a little better. And my opening laps need to be a little bit more, um, intense, uh, start riding like offensively and not defensively. And then the last, it's like the last five minutes of the main, um, it's easy for you to tell yourself like, okay, kind of relax and bring it on in when I still need to be like putting in solid laps. Cause I know guys ahead of me get tired and usually that's been my strength, but this year hasn't really been my strength. So I'm trying to change that. All right. What, um, Hey Cody, it's ML. Uh, <laughs> what's up? Um, with everything you went through this off season, I, I'm sure you had coming into the season, just kind of an overarching goal of just, you know, being there, being a little better each weekend. Um, now that you've gotten some top tens, those results are coming around. You're feeling a little better. You're, as you said, getting a little more in shape, having to race yourself in. Um, what's the, what's your approach each weekend when you come to the race? Do you, do you just kind of still have this overarching goal of what your season should look like? Or does every weekend, are you just like, ah, I, I, I could do this position, I could do that? Do you, do you see your mentality changing much, or do you keep just keep it the same every single weekend? Um, my mentality's changing a little bit, um, but I'm still being real with myself. Uh, my, I think my mentality is changing more so in qualifying. Um, first two rounds, I was kind of stressing, like, am I fast enough to be inside the top 20 to get, like, a decent gay pick? And then after we've gone four or five rounds, however many we've done already, uh, I've definitely become more confident in myself, in my speed, in my ability. And each round we go to, I've been adapting to uh, the tracks um, easier. 
because uh, it's it's easy to like look at a triple and kind of get stressed out about oh like I'm not really sure like what speed to gauge this or a rhythm section because it might be a little bit more peaky than what you're used to blah blah blah. So I've been adapting to the tracks um, each race as we go, um, but I'm I'm still keeping my mental side of just trying to be the best version of me and um, only focus on me because. At the end of the day, everyone else can do what they want, but I need to make sure that I do what um, I can do first. Because at the end of the day, like I'm the most important person to myself. So, um, yeah, I'm still being realistic. I I want to qualify like 10 to 15th fastest. I th- I think that's pretty reasonable for me. And then being around that seven to 10 range in the mains i think that's pretty reasonable for me um but i just need to continue to focus on myself and just make sure that each lap is accounted for and just be strong uh something i thought might be fun for for viewers to hear is um you kind of went through you're you're originally from uh delaware you packed up life into a van on the the whim of our friend kid a to come out to california a couple years ago that's how we met personally um you did kind of the, I think I'm born and raised in California. So I always get laugh when I hear people say California dream, but you, you came out, started riding Supercross here, got noticed, got a ride. Um, you know, now you're with Phoenix and you've gone to North Carolina to their neck of the woods. You guys ride train back there. I don't know. Give, give people kind of indication what it was like being, you know, packing up life, packing up away from family, coming out to SoCal, living that dream, but now transitioning to, you know, working with the team, um, at their, you know, in their property, their building, you know, club of the facility, the, the whole nine yards, what that transition has been like. Um, when I first, uh, decided to go to California, it was kind of like, almost like my, my college years, I guess you would say for anyone to like relate to, I was, uh, saved up to what I thought was enough, which was about 12 grand in my bank account. <laughs> And I said, "All right, I'm going to California. Two weeks worth of life and, in SoCal, <laughs> and I, I, I'm I'm just gonna do it." There really wasn't like a whole plan. It was just we're gonna do it and um, enjoy it. And I felt like uh, going to California. Yes, I did get noticed, um, but I feel like the biggest thing is it made me grow up uh, faster because I come from a very small town. And kind of have always been used to having mom and dad there. So if anything happened, like they would take care of any issues. Whereas when you go to the other side of the country on your own, yes, you're with great friends. um, But still, like, you're out to defend for yourself. So I definitely learned a lot um, racing wise and just normal day-to-day life and then transitioning back on back to the east coast um i kind of felt like it was honestly i felt like more established i knew what i could do in racing i knew how to i guess you would say survive on my own and um it wasn't nearly as nearly as stressful as going to California on my own. Um, cause yes, I am closer to home now, but I didn't have any like question on how to do anything. It was kind of like, I've been doing it for 
four years now going back to the east coast it's yeah it's like family territory i guess you would say but um i i enjoy it i mean there there's nothing like the east coast um dirt's different um the way of life is different so no it's all good hey cody i i wanted to know going back to the incident in houston i I really felt bad for bringing this up, but I just had to ask. Wait, that was such a crazy scenario. It's the first round. Your teammate was involved. It was a scary incident. I was, was glad to see that you walked up, got up and got back on the bike. That was such a crazy deal. Just kind of describe how that moment felt. And did you have any, like, did you have any uh, side of it like that, that was about to happen? Or was it just so fast that it was just like a blur? Uh, to be honest, it, I mean, it just happened so fast. I didn't even know what really touched me in the air. Uh, I didn't hear Colin on the face of the jump. Um, and then when I tried saving it and then kind of went straight, I didn't realize that the tunnel was coming that fast. And when I saw it, I tried to veer left. And at that point, I mean, there's nothing you can do. And I didn't even brace. I just went into the wall. Um, the only thing I thought of was, is there metal behind it? Cause I was nervous about that, but, uh, no, the, the bridge was really padded and it, it didn't hurt. It just was kind of like a shock to my, uh, just a shock to me. I mean, after I hit and was standing and walking around, I was like, holy crap, like what just happened? <laughs> yeah, like, that's, yeah. that's what I mean. Like I wasn't even able to process anything. Super unexpected. Um, but yeah, I mean, it could have gone way worse, and I'm just thankful that uh, it didn't. Hey, Cody, talk about the team. I mean, Phoenix stuck with you. You know, you had a great year in 21. Kind of surprised people. They they got, You got on the team in 22, but didn't really get to race much. Stuck with you. Uh, those guys are working really hard. The team, you know, they've got you and Jace and Kate, uh, Cullen Park and – Caden Braswell trying to build something over there, really special. You guys are training at Club MX when you can. Uh, just talk about the team and what they offer and what it means to you to be a part of that program. The team, honestly, it's uh, it's it's really fun to be around. I actually, I don't have to, but I go to the shop almost every day um, just to be around the guys because I simply enjoy being around everybody. We all have. Uh, we all have our, like our own sense of humor. We all get along really well, and it's uh, it's it's pretty cool because they see the hard work, the hard work that we put in, and I see that the hard work, uh, hard work that they put in, and it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's it, it's equal both ways. Um, when one person puts in that am- that amount of work, the other person wants to step up. So. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's fun. I enjoy being around the team. Uh, all the riders, Cullen, Jace, Caden and I, we all get along really well. Um, it's not really stressful at all. Obviously we're all competitors, but, uh, we know how to balance that out. And I don't know, it's, it's cool to see what David, um, David Eller has, uh, given us and he believes in all of us and, I'm just uh, I'm just trying to deliver for him because I see the 
amount of effort that he puts in. I'm just trying to put in the same amount and give him what he deserves. And that's just uh, good results. So, um, yeah, just going to try to continue to do my best and, uh, yeah, to continue to move forward. How good is the bike? If, if there was one thing you would like to improve, what would it be? Mm, it's kind of hard to pinpoint one thing. It's honestly the overall package. I mean, we're using the best companies that are out there in the moto industry. Um, if it was anything that was my favorite part, I mean, we definitely spent a lot of time on uh, the engine and fine-tuning it and just putting the power where we want it. Um, a lot of people have always wanted that super aggressive, like snap. And I've kind of always been on the opposite end. I like a very smooth, um, power. And, uh, I felt like Phoenix has delivered that really well. And now we're just like, if we ever feel like we need to change anything, it's, it's never ECU. It's never engine. It's just, Hey, like, let's go from, um, a 52 to a 51. Mm um in the rear so that's about it but uh no the the overall package of the bike is is awesome um they're willing to do anything to get you comfortable on it um so yeah i mean it's just the whole the whole dynamic of the team is awesome and you definitely feel welcomed and when you feel welcomed i just feel like it brings a lighter vibe and a lighter vibe brings uh just good results yeah yeah Luxon MX bringing you Cody Shock tonight. Uh, ML? Uh, I was curious. I think we had talked about this, but I was wondering if uh, if it's still settled or if you'd want, want to bring it up. Is uh, We are in our first year of the Super Motocross uh, Championships. So of course, after outdoors, we're going to have uh, SMX, uh, the three-round playoff. I think I saw that you're either right at 20th or hovering right about it for overall for 250 points right now. Um, however, you are a beast on a 450 outdoors. What are we gonna do outdoors? Which which class do we want to race uh, come SMX? Um, I, I mean, I plan on doing two fifty. I think it's uh, I think it's smart for me to switch it up. Um, I've yep. shown what I can do on a four fifty, but I have been given the um, approval to do two fifty class from Phoenix. So I think that's the route that we're gonna go, and I think it'll be smart for the whole super motocross thing so yeah i mean i should be top 20 in points and uh yeah i look forward to those future events 16th is 16th is where he is ml nice okay okay i think it was that's not bad weekends no it's uh i think it was before the the weekend started maybe is when i saw the the adjustment so yeah right there because i know you've had the the back and forth options tough your your results on the 450 you're good but and you've talked about before i really want to see what you can do how on, many, a, on a 250 how outdoors. How many rounds have the West guys done, and how many rounds have, have we done on the East? Uh, four, three, three or four. even, three. isn't it? Uh, I don't it's think it's even. even. Um, oh. Yeah, bear with me, and I'll let you know in a second. Uh, you got another one, ML? Uh, now I'm doing the same as you. I'm oh. looking at what rounds we're well, talking about here. Um, well, you looked that up then. Uh, Scott, did you have another one? Uh, yeah, so the the track this weekend... Have you ever had to race on anything that condition and, and did it suit you a little bit or was it just, just straight like Narville? <laughs> um, I've never, I've never raced on anything like that. Uh, that was my first time in Indy. 
racing. Uh, so that was pretty cool to do. I knew going into the weekend that it was going to be pretty rutted, but it was more rutted than, I guess, years prior. I guess the last time it was like that was maybe 2016, people were saying. Um, I feel like the only thing that got me ready was I remember uh, back in 2019 when I spent some time at Club MX, uh, that, that off season for those guys, it was really rainy. And uh, the tr- they just got done building new supercross tracks and it was really soft and rutted and i actually went back in my photo album and i found the photos from where we were riding those days and i was like wow that was indie right there so that's the only time that i really i guess you would say practice anything like that but it indie kind of reminded me a little bit of outdoors only because how long the ruts were and kind of how the track was always changing um but yeah, no, I've never ridden anything like that. I, I felt like it was either you adapted to it or you didn't. And I'm super thankful that uh, I was on the other side of that and it came to me a little easy. For the for the fans, that especially the ones that have never raced and for those that have, of us that never had to be in a position to race something like that, what's what's how can you relate it to give the fans perspective? Because obviously from the stands and from the TV, it's just it's just not the same. I can tell you right now, I'm RJ in it. I'm sick. <laughs> I don't feel good. I got to go. Yeah, I mean, I would love to ride the water truck lane. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the easiest way to explain it. Um, pretty much, you can never look down. You always have to look forward. And you really have to make sure that you're centered with the motorcycle. And the ruts are only as wide as that rear tire. And they're not always going to be that wide because how soft it is, the tops of the ruts want to fall in. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to explain, but the easiest way is uh, pretty much if you were to draw a line, um, like if you take chalk and draw like a really long line in the road and then try to take a bicycle and follow that line perfectly, that's pretty much what we had to do. I don't think I could do that. Because there's, uh, <laughs> there's no going left or right. It's You have to follow that right or you're done. All while jumping jumps, though. <laughs> yeah. 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 And when you <laughs> jump, you're leaving a face of a jump in a rut and you're landing in a rut. And each rut is different. Uh, each rut is uh, deeper than the other. And there's sometimes soft holes in them. <laughs> so it's... Uh, Sometimes it's a lottery. You just got to pick one and hope for the best. Did, did you experience arm pump in any more way than you would have in anywhere else? No, no. I wish I could not feel arm pump. That gets Never, me every yeah. time. Go ahead, ML. <laughs> Which is weird because sometimes if there's ruts on the track during practice day and I, I somehow feel uncomfortable, I'll pump up. But when I came to Indy, I didn't pump up once. I felt loose. It was really weird. Uh, so I looked. Uh, you guys have raced one more round than West Coast. You guys will actually race one more round in general than than West this year. So I imagine they're going to drop one of your your Supercross results. Um, but so I guess that means before before this weekend started, you were pretty much on the bubble. But if you do outdoors, you'll you'll be in no problem. Um, yeah. Listening you talk about weather remind me something people might might find a little interesting. So yeah. Uh, well, SoCal's been. <laughs> 
freaking you you picked a great i would say you picked a great winner not to be here for riding conditions but it hasn't been exactly the easiest for you guys north carolina it's i love the area uh jgr was based there for years you got right across the board the club guys it's still not quite the same it is as florida it's been pretty cold there you guys have a weird riding schedule like one of the days i went with you guys sometimes you guys don't ride supercross till like noon or one o'clock <laughs> let let things uh unthaw a little bit yeah i mean uh specifically this week we had to do that uh we rode tuesday and today and we didn't start until noon because it was only like a high of 45 or maybe 50 and it doesn't get 45 to 50 until like one, one or two o'clock in the afternoon. So, um, which sucks. Cause like this week was, it just felt super cold. Cause we had a wind show with it. But last week it was like seventies. Like we were sweating while riding Supercross, And it felt like we were riding like an outdoor national. Like we were just that drenched. And then you, then next week, we're all just in our hoodies trying to stay warm. Like you don't really want to get off the bike. So yeah, the weather um, changes a lot over here, but fortunately the rain has uh, been pretty minimal. It's been honestly just the perfect amount to keep the moisture in the ground. And uh, the only thing we have to deal with is just the temperature. So, I mean, so I'd even ride in a jersey today. I literally just put uh, my chest protector on and a hoodie. <laughs> it went riding. Nice. Um, one that people might find a little bit interesting. So facility-wise, we're talking about Club MX. Of course, they have a race team um, themselves, one that you guys are directly competing against. Um, normally, you have a facility, you have trainers, you have riding coaches, you know, but throwing the team in, it's a little bit, little bit weird. But I know from talking to you, they're, I was really impressed when I've been down there, um, how they balance, you know, that between having their riders training, you guys, the feedback they give you, even, you know, it's one thing to do with their facility, but even when they go to race day, uh, it seems like they're pretty on top of helping everybody that basically goes to to the facility. Could you kind of let people uh, know a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, uh, Brandon is the trainer at club and, uh, he gathers everyone together to put in our motos and like our heat race simulations and sprint laps and work in sections. Um, there's really no, um, whatever the club team does is what everyone else does. So it's pretty, it's pretty even, um, playing field and, uh, no, it's, it's been awesome. I mean, being able to ride with, Jmart and Enzo Lopes and Nicoletti. Um, I didn't. I haven't got to ride with Garrett, um, but he'll he'll be back on the bike soon, so that'll be exciting. But having those club guys and then having like um, Colin, Jace, Kyle Peters. He's raised an arena cross, but he still practices on the Supercross tracks with us. Caden, and then you got Brian Carroll. Um, sometimes Freddie Norn comes out um, every once in a while. Cade Clayson. I mean, the the list just keeps going on. And we have a really good group of guys. And Brandon will take the time to talk to each and one of us after a moto and talk about what we did well and what we could do better. And then we'll all do work starts together. And sometimes in the motos, we'll do like a Simon Says. and we'll do like a 
uh, a 10 minute moto and then to finish out a 15 minute moto the last five minutes he does Simon says it's like okay no clutch for a lap or feeling the pegs for a lap just to keep it fun because um, it, it, it's easy to drown yourself in motos and it can get pretty annoying so he switches it up on us just to keep it fun um, but yeah I mean after every session he likes to talk about the moto and um no, I think it's pretty pretty uh, even playing field. Um, obviously, he takes time though to talk to Jeremy or Phil or Enzo about bike stuff, and which they should because I mean it, they're their own team. But um, when it comes to like actually like riding and training, um, now he's pretty even with everybody, and he always says, "Focus on yourself and." Uh, the day the day is what you make of it so obviously if he if you put in the effort he'll put in the effort and uh yeah we've had a lot of good days down there and i i enjoy being down there around with all the guys because it helps me gauge kind of where i'm at going into the weekend hey cody so i was looking at the results uh again 10th in points right now Hymas is done, so you'll get him this weekend probably. So you'll be in ninth, and then all we got to do is get Blows and Vial a few races. I think we're going to be good, man. We'll be in top. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, for sure. You say sure. that? You, yeah, you let's that. let's let's You're try to pass so that. Easy. Oh, that was no okay. problem. And then Vial is ripping as well. <laughs> well, he's really really bad in the whoop, so we just need more whoops. Uh, dude, I, I was bad in the whoops this past week. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> I need to work on that too. Okay, well, hey, I think we're gonna get ninth. I think I think we got Hymus. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not even looking at the championship points. I'm just trying to put in a good round each round and whatever yeah. I end up overall is where I end up. Well, hey man, uh, Emma, you got anything else before we let him go? Nah, I'll let him get some rest. Cody, dude, uh, always enjoy seeing at the races. You're always super friendly to me. I don't know why you're so nice to ML because he just constantly talks trash behind your back. But ah, dude, I know. I know. <laughs> Tell me about it. Such a dick. <laughs> no, Cody, <laughs> I appreciate you jumping on here, man, and look forward to uh, watching you progress for the rest of the season, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Anytime, man. Anytime. Thanks again. You have a good night. All right, you too. All right, see ya. That's Phoenix Honda's Cody Shock. Appreciate him taking some time. As always, brought to you tonight by Luxon MX. Uh, fun times, ML. One of your good buddies. Trying to throw me under the bus, my good buddies. You're such a dick. No. What a terrible employee nah, he is, I, right, Michael? He's a terrible employee. I just feel like <laughs> that's the way you would treat me, so I was... Pretty yeah, much. he's your boss, though. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, give me example. Daytona, I'm supposed to interview him. The first thing I had to do is go give him a giant hug. Yeah, no, that 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 uh, no, Cody means the world to me as a as a friend. I mean, uh, racing life was was rough, but I did everything I could to to give him opportunity. He took the best of it, or made the most of it. Mm -hmm. and I'm always proud of that kid. Um, before we get to Travis Sewell's here in a minute, let's talk about Chase Sexton. Uh, he's now 13 points down out of first, qualified first, wins his heat race, just like every week. Uh, Scotty, the fastest guy on the track most of the time. Um, and he ends up by what I think, uh, 10th. I don't even remember what his overall was now. What he finished, and I think yeah, he got think to ninth, ninth or 10th. It was one behind Elon, got lapped. Um, but that's because he just pushes those limits. He continues to not, it seems like he continues to not really figure out where that limit is. He crosses it at least once every race, and that one kind of bit him. He was a little slow to get up, 
you know, knocked his visor off. Might have been a little loopy for a moment. He's got to figure this out, dude, or it's going to be a long season. He's not going to get back up into that top two if he can't find that line and, and not cross it. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, like, dude, two wins in a row, which, like I was saying earlier, it's it's definitely possible. Two wins in a row, and then most of this stuff kind of goes away. I think the one thing that he's got to do, especially in a situation like he was in in Indianapolis, is is you saw Kenny taking the slower wide line. You saw Barsha not scrubbing jumps and not being like crazy bam-bam like he normally is. Yeah, he was probably the most aggressive guy on the track, but it wasn't a typical bam-bam aggressive. I think he has to find those lines that are just going to have to work and not just trust that the same thing over and over again is going to keep working. I feel like that's what I just said. Well, then it looks like we're actually agreeing on something for once. i got to change my thoughts. ML, at the same time, a guy like that, he probably doesn't feel like he's crossing the line, right? He just, he, like James Stewart always said, you know, like that's, I don't feel like I'm riding out of control until I am. And Christian or uh, Chase probably in the same boat. Like he doesn't feel like he's crossing the line, but somehow he has to figure that out. We, we said different things. I said changing the, his lines and not crossing a line. Okay. <laughs> ML. I think it's, it, it kind of falls into the James category with me a little bit. I hear the team kind of like, you know, this guy's pushing pushing the bike beyond its limits. I mean, yeah, when he's coming out against Cooper and Eli and he's going a second faster in qualifying, it, it's it's tough because there's one part of me it's like, yeah, let's figure out how to make this work and let's just run with that momentum. But then there's also the part of, okay, you're also talking about two of the other best in the world, Eli and Coop, who already really are pushing equipment to the absolute edge of what it should be able to do. And then Chase, it, could you argue that Chase is taking it too far? Like, is there just need to be a point where you just step back and go, I need to take just, just a step off this. Just, again, whether it's his pace, is his commitment to certain lines and stuff, um, where, like I said, I watched Barsh and Kenny, and I felt like there was a lot of places where they, they gave up a little bit at times. I mean, their lap times were still fantastic, where I see some of Chase's lines. I'm like, man, is he just so committed to perfection, you know, in the way he is, in the way he rides, in the way he pressures the bike, is it just he, he rides on such a fine line? Would there be an argument? Well, where would we, where would he be at in this championship if he took it down three percent? Where would we be at? Um, and again, you go back. Well, he's if he's riding that good, they should make the equipment work. Well, if it doesn't work, I mean, you can be the fastest out there, but doesn't you know? Back to the James stuff. Is it going to win you titles? Right. FXR is uh, oh, no, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. designed by racers for racers with industry-leading fit, finish, and performance. Progression is the name of the game with every new piece created. At FXR, we push our brand to the next level to provide you with the best products possible. Used by Mike Brown, Muckoff, FXR Club MX Yamaha, Ty Lube Honda, Brock Tickle, Benny Bloss, and many more. Visit FXRRacing.com to see the numerous gear lines and colorways as well as their snow lines and lifestyle casual wear. Speaking of the casual wear... Again, we uh, we put this out last week. I want to get a few more people involved. Use our email, motoxpodshow at gmail.com. Put in FXR Casual in the tagline. Tell us you're listening to the show. We're going to pick a winner for a T-shirt and a hat from FXR, so hit us up with that. Um, man, we've got to get Travis on here in just a second. Uh, what about AC? How, how excited or how do you feel – AC's doing ML. I think he's getting better. He came off, you know, took a week off uh, at Daytona. He, he's getting better. 
Uh, I think this was one of his best rides. He looked the strongest this weekend of any weekend I've seen. No, I think it was, I, I was kind of worried depending what the, the wrist issue hand issue really was, if he'd be able to come back, it looks like the, the two weeks off or whatever was fantastic for him. Um, he was way more competitive on a track that I think would be much harder on your hand, the ruts, the G outs. Um, no, uh, it, it's, it's really good to see. Cause I was worried like, Oh great. We've been working on this small progress and we've been derailed, but honestly he came back, didn't miss a beat and was pretty much the best he's been all season. So, um, that's, that's a huge positive. Cause I think like everybody, like AC is just such a likable guy and it's, it's so, it sucks so much to watch him have to like go through this whole rebuilding period when you know what he's capable of. Um, but at the same time you just pull from, you're like, oh, I just want to see him get through this. I want to see him get back to where, where he knows he can be. And I want to watch that. And I want to enjoy that as well. Uh, Scotty, can, can AC get a top five? Uh, yeah, I think so. What do you think his peak is? This season, top five. Okay, that was pretty pretty quick. Uh, ML, I noticed. I also noticed he's back. He's wearing double Mobius wrist braces. Oh, is he? Yeah, I he, didn't pay. I didn't look at that. Yeah, he, I saw that in press day. He's back in the wrist braces. Feels like uh, he needs the extra protection. Um, so yeah, maybe he's just kind. Of, maybe he's getting more comfortable because he wasn't wearing them. I don't think at the beginning of the year. I think did he have one on or none? Uh, he had them both on, I believe. I'm in at the beginning of the season. Oh, he might have had one on at the beginning. I don't remember. But, yeah, he's – you can just tell his wrists are still bothering him, man. It's kind of a bummer. Did he – if I remember, he wouldn't comment on what the issue was, right? He said he kept would keep it to himself. Yeah, he didn't really what, want what to talk about on. it. He just said it's, he did say it was ongoing because when I asked him if this was something new, and he, he just said, man, I'm usually an open book. I don't really want to talk about it. Let's just say it's – it's been ongoing. It's something that's bothered throughout the year. Maybe it's getting worse. So it might be something to keep an eye on. Hmm. And uh, I just wonder if it was something, you know, we were hearing stuff about the elbow. I wonder if maybe it's something from the off season yeah. that was sort of healed. And then, yeah. Cause again, back to what, when we got that initial PR and it said aggravated, I, I said before, I'm like, eh, yeah, you know, aggravation is when there's already something yeah. wrong. Like it, it's definitely pre-existing. You know, the PR would read, Oh, he, hurt his wrist or damaged it if it was new aggravated is like oh something exists like yep and it sounds like he confirmed that but didn't really want to get into it too much yeah um, let's move on we got our next guest online tonight andy Gregg and the guts racing crew have been providing the best seats and foam in this industry for years for 2023 they have added kawasaki to their complete seat lineup as well as the color teal to their gripper material options available also new for 2023 are options for your e-bikes they have complete seats for the Teleria, the super 73 and covers for Segway and Suron, and they have options for the Honda, KTM, and Husqvarna electric bikes. Visit GutsRacing.com today to see all that Andy Gregg and Guts Racing has to offer. Tonight, Guts Racing brings us a first-timer 450 Supercross winning mechanic from Hep Suzuki, my boy Travis Sewells. What's up, Sewells? Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going good, man. First things first, congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time coming, a lot of hard work, and... Uh, Honestly, glad we could put it together this year. It was awesome. Dude, I, I just can't even imagine what that felt. Not only for you to get your first one, but for Kenny, a guy who's been searching for one for over a year now, lots of questions about could he win again on the Suzuki brand, et cetera, et cetera. Could, could Hep Suzuki make a winning bike? All these things adding to what this win must mean. Yeah, I mean, all I can say is the first time Kenny rode the bike, he goes, I can win on this thing, and I'm going to. And 
there was a lot of doubters. There was a lot of people that said it couldn't couldn't be done. And I mean, Kenny Kenny's a bad dude. He made it happen. So. Oh, you know what? Let me ask you this. So on press day, I was talking to him. Well, I actually overheard him say something about a possible suspension change, something you guys had found, depending on the track conditions. I asked him about it. He sort of confirmed that, yeah, there's something that you were going to try. You did try it. Apparently it works. What was it? Um, it was one shim in the shock. One shim. One shim. I don't know if I believe you, Sewell's. Hey, one shim makes all the difference. Go ahead, ML. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was curious. The the Kickstarter on the podium, was that in your <laughs> backpack this whole time, or did you pull it off the bike really quick? Because it's only one bolt. Sorry, guys. I, I just lost you for one second. Oh. I, I need oh. to have you ask me that one more time. There, there we go. Uh, I was wondering, the, the Kickstarter that Kenny took onto the podium, was that in your yep. backpack, or did you unbolt that baby straight off the bike? I had it in my bag the whole time. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> that was that was one request per Kenny. He goes, "Hey, we gotta have a, a Kickstarter in the bag." He goes, "I'm gonna wear that, or I'm gonna bring it up to the to the podium the first time we win." And I was like, "Yep," and uh, yeah, it was in my bag the whole time. You got another one, ML? Oh no, I was oh, letting you go. Okay, um, so you've been at HEP. This is your first year at HEP, correct? Second, second year. Okay, okay. So who'd you work yep. with last year? I was with Brandon Hartraff last year. That's right. That's right. Yep. Um, yep. We'll talk about how that gig came up because you've worked with Brock Tickle in the past and Chad Reed, I believe, and, and numerous other riders. How did the HEP gig come about? Um, so it, it came up, uh, I think it was outdoors 2021. I was working for Rocky Mountain. I was working for Joey Savachi. And um, at the end of every outdoor, I would tear my bike apart and I'd go over there and have a twisted tee. <laughs> I would just, I would walk over there and say, hey, you guys got any twisted tea? Yep, no problem. They'd hand me one, Dustin and Aaron. We'd sit there and talk. And every time I went over there, they said, hey, when are you going to come work for us? And I said, well, I mean, I got some stuff going on, some stuff in the works. Um, just I'll, I'll let you know when I'm available. And they said, if anybody makes you an offer for next year, you let us know. We want to talk. And I went over there every round uh, for Outdoors 2021, had a, had a twisted tee and we finally had a sit down and we came to uh to an agreement to, to work for them for 2022. And then obviously I'm still here now. So. Hey Travis. Um, I know it's only been a couple of days since the win, but has there been the slightest bit of change from the interaction or the presence from factor Suzuki after they've seen that Kenny got, got this win? No, I honestly, I just talked to Kenny again today. I mean, I talk to him every day, but we had an, another good week of just riding and he's, he's having so much fun and, um, we're just, uh, the first one's hard, but the second one is the hardest. Like we have to back this thing up. Right. So we're going to do whatever we can. We're going to go into Detroit, no pressure, whatever happens, happens, but yes, we'd like to get, we'd like to go one or, uh, go two for two. So yeah, I was, I was thinking more of like from factory Suzuki themselves. Have you like, as has they the, even said, thank you. Has the bosses been like any different since, I know it's just been a couple of days. Um, no, I, I haven't heard much. Um, obviously like being at JGR and kind of seeing them go under, which sucked. It was such a good team. And then not really having any, like a lot of support at all from like factory Suzuki, and then, uh, you know, getting Ken on board, there's, there's been a couple guys that have, uh, 
they want to step in and like help us out and um we're just we're gonna go from there yeah it just i think that question is relevant because it does seem as though factory suzuki has pulled out of racing in general right moto gp they don't have a huge presence in supercross anymore it almost feels like from the outside that they just don't care about it so i am it, curious to how they will it, react yeah, it's not that they don't care because they they came to I think it was Anaheim too, and they had they had uh, everybody there from the factory Suzuki team, which which I know and everything, and they're 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 there, they're in. We're just um, I don't I don't know anything beyond that, mm-hmm. but I just know that they were there and they were interested in what was going on at at HEP. So um, I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see what's gonna yeah, happen. Yeah, that's that's good to know. Um, talk about working with Ken uh, compared to other guys you've worked with. We know that Kenny. Uh, is always searching, right? And it seems like it kind of seems like he's never happy. He always wants to find a little more, which most guys do. But maybe he could be a little demanding. Um, how is that working for him on race day? Uh, race day has been good. I mean, we've obviously the first couple rounds was a little stressful for for him and for me and and for the whole team. I mean, we were we knew what he wanted. He's very good at explaining what he wanted. We couldn't we couldn't achieve that. And I mean, it was lots of race days where we were testing on race day, which none of us like to do. Cause we, I mean, you don't, you don't know what you're going to get if you're going to test something on race day. So, um, uh, we finally found a good setting and I mean, working for Kenny has been awesome. We had a, we had a relationship back in 2016. That was, I wasn't his main mechanic at all, but like I was around him and he, he could, he, he knew who I was and I knew who he was and he knew that I, you know, was, was there to do the, to do the job and um um yeah it's it's been great it's been an easy transition like normally for a guy to go to another team it's n- normally not that smooth and like for a rider to go to another mechanic sometimes not that smooth and for a mechanic to go to another rider obviously not that smooth and we've we've had just an easy transition he knew that i was there to do whatever and i can remember our first our first uh talk that we had talked about and he goes I want to win more than you. And I go, no, you don't. Cause I don't have one of these and you do. I want to win more than you. And I told him you do the work. I'm going to do the work and we're going to get this. So I was curious. So you mentioned 2016. Uh, of course that was RCH years. Um, Suzuki, Kenny last one to get their uh, Supercross win, but that was a little bit different era for Suzuki. A, a lot of factory involvement, a lot of parts, a lot of things to try. I mean, we're talking about different steering stems for different offsets and rakes, and we hear of all these things at that level that these guys can try, and it seems mind-boggling like how easy it would be to get lost. In this situation, you guys have a good platform. You guys have good companies to work with, but I also know Suzuki's involvement isn't as high as it was then, so some of those really weird chassis items you can just spiral chasing... How has it been knowing that you and Kenny know what's available, what what could be done, but also just focusing on more like key areas with the bike now? Do you think that's actually been maybe a, a positive compared to again where riders can riders, mechanics, techs, everybody can go down this endless rabbit hole trying way too many things instead of maybe sticking to the basics of what to work with on the bike? Yeah, like even with Ken, so like back in sixteen when we were testing and doing all that stuff, you know, there's there's clamps and there's this and there's that, like all the factory Suzuki stuff. Ken knew that he really didn't like the factory Suzuki clamps and a lot of the pieces that he knew he didn't like on the sixteen, he didn't even want to try on on our current bike, even if they were available. And um we uh Larry Brooks has some engine hangers that he has made up for the Suzuki back when he was with uh um with the 250 team and then with us 
um, we've, we've just tried little stuff. And honestly, when Kenny rode the bike, he said, this thing does what I want it to do. Like it's predictable on, on lap one as it is predictable on lap 20. So he's, he's just really, he's really pumped with it. And he's just pumped that anything he asked for, anything he wants to try, there's no dumb question on this team. We, we, we had never won. We didn't know what to do and anything he wanted, we would try it. And Kenny is very good. If, if it was something that he liked and it wasn't as good as what he thought it was going to be, he would tell us, Hey, this isn't as good. Let's go back to what we were on. So it's, it's good to just have a humble rider as well. Um, when Kenny first came on board, tried the bike, gave you guys good feedback, liked things about it, um, Chiz's feedback. Do you think it again where the team hasn't been in this position before? Did you feel kind of other than signing Kenny, but just hearing the feedback from the guys, did it kind of light a fire under everybody or the team like, hey, we can do things, we can get it done. Like we've got guys that want to be here and, and want to ride this bike and want to work with our team and our package. Like, did you notice a difference in the team's demeanor um, once all this stuff started to come together. Yeah. Once it all started to come, come together, like with Kenny, it was, I, I just, I sat down with everybody on the team. I said, Hey, if we're going to get Kenny, like I, I know that he's a high profile guy, but I know that once we can find something he likes, it's going to be mellow, but it might be a lot of work to get there. Cause he's never ridden this, this generation of Suzuki. And, um, our with our team we can we can do whatever we can test whatever we can change to another thing you know like that's that's the the one thing that's nice about being privately owned is you can you can do whatever you want and like kenny knows what he likes and um it i mean it i feel like it took a little bit longer maybe but none of us ever gave up on kenny either like we like everybody's heard it we've we've been out till the sun's gone out we had we had lights on our cell phones on a jump face or in the whoops for him to go through them to figure out, you know, like what he needed. And, you know, a lot of these factory teams there, they have a very like small circle or a very small, like a very tight triangle to where they don't, they don't want to go outside the box or outside the triangle. And like on our team, we'll do whatever it takes for Kenny to win. And um, we're going to keep doing that. Uh, one other amongst the things we've tried, we've heard so much about suspension, suspension, suspension testing. Um from day one to now, has it really been anything else? Anything with mapping, clutch to change power delivery, or has he really been happy with the that package since day one? Have you guys really has it really just been focused on suspension? Um, from day one, so even so, from day one, we we've had Jamie on board from uh, Twisted Development Vortex, <laughs> and uh, we've actually when he first started riding, we slowed the bike down and made it a little more rideable, and then um, with since Daytona we've actually gone a little more aggressive and uh, every, everything we've asked for Jamie, he, he just, he comes through, he goes, Hey, I can, whatever, whatever Kenny needs, he wants a little bit more from 4,000 to 6,000 RPMs. Boom. It's in there. It's, it's perfect. So that's, that part's been good. Um, suspension wise. Um, yeah. I mean, we've, we've tried a couple different people, but I feel like Matt at active ride, I feel like, uh, I feel, I feel like he's got it. He thinks he thinks a little bit different. I I was just joking with my wife just a little bit ago. Um, Matt's the kind of guy where I was like, "Hey, what what did you change in Kenny's shock?" He's like, "Oh, I put half a hot dog in there." 
I'm like half a hot dog. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's either half hot dog or full hot dog. And like that to me is hilarious. I love it to where it's just, you know, like we're just, we're joking around having a good time that we have, we have come up with exactly what we want. So Matt, Matt's such a smart ass. ass <laughs> it is like I he, that. like I, I, I literally dude. looked at him. He goes, I go, Hey, what did you change? He goes, Oh, half hot dog. And I, I looked at him. I'm like, what I'm like because i come like i come from factory teams too and i'm like there's nobody ever saying oh half a hot dog right. like what the hell does that mean <laughs> and now it makes sense like it's he he has such a great sense of humor and yeah. yeah he he really knows he really knows his stuff and he i mean he he just takes advantage of like this is a good opportunity for him a great opportunity for ken and he was chiz's guy forever and chiz um he, he he just said, "Hey, you guys have to try this guy." And Kenny tried it, and it's obviously it's it's paying off. So, yeah, Travis Sewell's tonight brought to you by Guts Racing. Scotty, hey Travis, the, each one of those changes, whether it was suspension or bike or whatever it was, how vast of a difference was it? Like week in, week out, or session from each, even each session, were, were we like rewriting the script every week? Was there moments where we took? big steps back or big steps forward and then it didn't translate kind of how much was the difference? Um, like all, like from the first day he started till now, is well, that just, what you know, just progressively throughout the season. Okay. Okay. So, um, even at a one, every time he came off the bike, I had forks and chalk off, which I mean, it, it's not a big deal. It doesn't take that long, but we, he was always searching and it was like, all right, we're going to make a, we're going to make a big step this way which normally that's what you want to do to like actually to find, to find the direction, right? You want to either go, it's, it's very soft. You want to go super stiff to like almost it be too stiff and then work your way backward. And we, we tried that with a couple different people and it, it just, he, he's so touchy and he's so technical and he can feel everything that he, it just, we were honestly like, we were never breaking through and like finding something that was completely better or even worse. It was like, he was coming back to like, well, this is what I wrote all week. So let's just, let's just put that on. And then, um, with Matt, it just, as soon as we put it on there, like Ken's the kind of guy where if he's smiling, laughing, having a good time, or if he's putting a whip upside down on a practice day or jumping like a 150 foot gap, did you guys see that with Behrman? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like that, that day he comes over, he's like, what do you, what do you, what do you think? What, what should I do? And I'm like, I want to see you jump this thing so bad, but like, you don't need to. And he, he goes, all right, well, I'm going to jump it. And he just pulls away and I'm like, all right, well, here we go. And <laughs> he jumped it and he comes over and he goes, that's what makes every, that's what makes everything just feel real. Like it gave me a little, Woo! like in my nuts, like, made me, like just made me feel alive. Oh, I love that, and, like, Travis. That was that was the same week that we found that magic setting with Matt. And it just as soon as we found that, he just he turned into a whole other rider. He just he he went back to like old school Ken Rocks and like let's do whatever. Yeah. The one shim that you're telling us on. <laughs> uh no no comment. I didn't hear that. What I was said, that? I said the one shim. Yeah, it, I'm half a hot dog. <laughs> okay. Hey, how much how much do you communicate? But yeah, with- we were we were one shim away. Yeah. yeah so the I, first the first thing that Matt gave him, he really liked, which I think it. Don't quote me on this, but I think it was relatively close to what Chiz was on. And he goes, "I just I wanted to have just a little bit more hold up." And he added one more shim, and I mean that's 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 where we're at. So okay, all right. How much communication do you have with Peyton Stevenson, his uh, practice mechanic during the week? Do you guys talk back and forth about what's going on? 
Yes. Yes. Every day, every day there's a phone call. Um, I keep, or he keeps me informed all week long. So when I get there on Thursday or Friday, I know what I need to change or what Kenny, what Kenny wants. And then as soon as I leave Saturday night, whatever we ended with, whatever changed, anything that happened, I get a hold of Peyton and just say, Hey, this, you know, he, he changed to this clutch lever or this, you know, whatever. So that way he's, he's got a couple days to just get himself set up. And if there's something different that we take off the truck, that's not normally at the shop that Kenny's at, whatever, whatever he ends the night on, on the race bike, I send that with, can mm. to give to Peyton for uh, Monday morning. So, with their track record at the races that Peyton's wrenched on a race, were you at all worried when he filled in for you the one round this year? Like, oh crap, he's going to get my win. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I said i I hope that I hope you guys go three and zero because he goes. Peyton said, if I go three and zero, I'm going to retire. Yeah. And, and then I was going to take his practice bike and race bike. Like I would move to Florida. I would do the practice <laughs> bike and race bike stuff. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, he's, he's such an awesome guy. Like from the time I met him, I think back in 2017 till now, he's the same person. He's, he's just like me. He's there for one reason and one reason only to do whatever Kenny wants and to make Kenny better. And there's not many people like that. And even the time, like even last week, we we're out in Florida all week long. And he's, he's just an awesome person, you know, but, yeah. but yes, I was, I was I kind of was nervous. He was going to take the first one away from me and I <laughs> would have let him have it because I know Kenny can back it up, but, um, I just knew that he was in good hands. I built the bike and prepped it for him. So he literally had to roll it out of the trailer at Oakland race it. And I said, just roll it back in the dirty and I'll go back down to Dallas. I'll come in early and rebuild it. So cool. Hey, when, when, Roxon won. There was obviously a lot of emotion. It almost seemed like as much, if not more, than it was when he got his first win back from all the injuries and time off. At the end of the day, when all the dust was settled, and you know the kind of the excitement happened, and he's he's leaving the rig, going back to the hotel or to his flight. What was the change in his demeanor? Was it visibly noticeable? And you know, kind of how was that feeling like? Well, I mean, he's, he's always confident. Like he, he knew deep in his heart that he could win on this bike. And I, I mean, anybody could say he's never going to win on this bike. I knew deep in my heart, I could give him something he could win on. The team could give him something he can win on and Kenny would win on it. And once he finally did it, like I, we, we knew all day, like from, from the morning when he shows up smiling, laughing, having a good time and then does goodness in his qualifiers and then does goodness heat. And then going down to the main, I said, this is your race. You have to get the start and check out. And that's what he did. And um, when he left that night, he, he came in the truck and made all of us cry. made all of us, you know, be very emotional. But he goes, hey, this, this one's for you guys. Like, I know I'm a pain in the ass sometimes, but, like, this is, this is for you guys. Like, let's do it again. So I, I, just, I just know, like, him, like, even when I was working with Chad, like, once you give him – once, once he gets a win and gets a little bit of, you know, a little taste of it, like we can, we could go on a winning streak here. We can go on a podium streak here. I know the bike's good. He knows the bike's good. The team knows the bike's good. I mean, he was, he was, he was just all smiles and it was, it was good to see. And it's, it's so nice to just see somebody that's so thankful and just so appreciative of all the work behind the scenes to get him to where he, he knows that he can be. So. Was was that the best taste in twisted tea you, you've had? 
I'm not going to lie. I had a, about three twisted teas and about three Jack and Cokes. Everybody gives me a bunch of, a bunch of shit about the, the souls Island. Well, that's that, that ship is gone and sailed. I haven't been there in a long time. I don't even know how tall the weeds are there, but <laughs> I, we, we had, uh, we had some drinks in the truck. We, we soaked it in, we went to sleep and then Sunday rebuilt the bike and it all started all over again. Cause now we have to back it up. So. Yeah, there. Yeah, the the champagne bottle in one of the pictures we got of you was it, it didn't look like it had much left. What was that you cut out? I'm sorry. Uh, I said that the, we got a picture of one of the champagne bottles and on on your pictures, and uh, it it didn't look like it had much left in it. No, no, that went down very quick. <laughs> well, Ken sprayed it on all of us. Had it in my eyes. I I told him I had champagne in my eyes. I wasn't crying. I was crying the whole time for sure. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, that was definitely the best tasting champagne I've ever had. And I mean, I've I had a third with Tickle, I had a third with Kenny this year, and that first place one, that thing just hits a little bit different. Yeah. Where um what what's it been like with the conversation of uh outdoors versus world supercross uh upcoming for you guys? I know everything we've seen from Kenny lately has said um outdoors. I know when I asked us in the beginning of the year, he said the option was was on the table. Uh, where, where do you think, uh, we're going to see you at this summer? Um, as far as I know, a hundred percent outdoors. Nice. Nice. Uh, Sewell's last question for you, man. Just, uh, with this win, you know, like how many more years do you want to do this? Does this reinvigorate you? Were you even getting tired of the travel and the job? Where are you at with your career? Well, like with me, like with my family, even, um, shit. I mean, I think I've quit three times yeah. and my phone rings. And then I answer it and I'm like, well, maybe I'll do it one more year, you know? And, um, this is definitely, I'm glad I took this phone call. <laughs> you know, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad I'm on this team. Um, everything in me said, let's just be done. Let's, let's do something else. Um, finally, uh, we have a seven year old boy and then a 18 month year old girl and everything in me just said, let's, you know, maybe, maybe we should stop doing this and, you know, spend, spend some more time with your family. And my wife just pushed me and she's like, you cannot say no to this. Like when this whole Ken thing came up, she's like, you're dumb if you say no. <laughs> and I knew, I knew, I knew it deep in my heart. Like I, I knew it was dumb, like for a mechanic to have a guy like Ken, it was just a dream come true, but I knew it was going to be a lot of work. And I've, we had just got married and I said, I'm going to be gone more than normal. And, um, she she goes we will make it through it just make it worth it like let's let's do it and um i don't know like i i kind of want to see where next year goes i i haven't even had this conversation with ken i don't know if he plans on staying here or what he has going on i know i've i've got a couple people blowing up my phone about once every month figuring out what i'm trying to do next year um i mean i have some options i honestly i don't know like I, I don't know if I'll be happy doing anything else. Like I've, like I said, I've quit three times. I've gone back to my old job back in Minnesota and I hated it. Got back on the road with Tickle and then the, the Chad Reed thing came up. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I really enjoy working on dirt bikes and I, uh, I mean, as much as I hate being away from home, like I would be miserable at a desk job. So I, I don't know. I think you're going to see souls around for a while. Well, it's a great story. Good to hear and beyond happy for you, man. Really, really thank congratulations. You. Thank my you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, Travis, we're going to let you go. Thanks for some time tonight and let's go get another one. Let's make this championship exciting. 
Hey, let, let's go. Uh, let's go two for two. See what happens. I like it, Travis. Have a good night, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate all it. Right, see ya. That's Travis Sewell's. Appreciate him coming on as uh, all the other guests, including uh, Cody Shock and Christian Craig. Yeah. You got that? Yeah, yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm just wrapping my brain around what so it would many feel. guests. He can't no, even I'm remember. Just, I'm wrapping my brain around what it would feel like to win a championship or a, a right, a main event, just in any capacity. How and like your first one, how cool that is. I was trying to try to put myself in his shoes while I was talking, and I can't do two things at once. Yeah, yeah. have uh, you have you guys seen him? Is that the most you've seen Kenny celebrate? I, I'm trying to recency bias, obviously, but is I know the win after. Um, when he came back from injury was big, like yeah. we talked about. But January. Yeah. It, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I think it was at least probably pretty close to equal to the first win after the injury, but it, it they, they were obviously both extremely meaningful. I don't know. The videos I saw back when he won his GP title were pretty nuts. Well, he was like <laughs> 12. <laughs> yeah. It was like 17. Yeah. It's like he'll drink there. we got people doing the beer runs out of the exhaust. The full tent <laughs> is like about to collapse from the party. His, I remember some of the videos from his GP one were nuts. <laughs> Rooted in racing from motocross to off-road, supporting teams like Pro Circuit Kawasaki and Pro Yamaha and SLR Honda, Prox has been dedicated to supplying quality components since 1975. From complex jobs like an engine rebuild to simple maintenance like filters, chains, and sprockets, Prox aims to bridge the gap between OE quality and affordability. Find Prox at your local dealer or online retailer. Visit Prox dash usa.com to search for parts for your bike and follow prox racing parts on social media to stay up to date with their latest products for 2023 ml scotty we got a few other things we need to get into before we wrap this thing up we haven't talked about 250s at all uh hunter wins again that's it <laughs> yeah well not really i mean scotty this that, that's that's kind of it what are we supposed to talk about okay. hunter has right. won that uh, is let's the thank end the other Check sponsors. On. let's move on let's yeah. thank the other sponsors and call it no but is this scotty is is hunter has he stepped up a level from the hunter we're used to seeing the last couple of years, or is the competition maybe just not at the same level? I feel like Hunter, I don't know if he's as good as Jet, but he is, I feel like he's better than he has been in the past. Yeah, I think there's definitely a gap from where he is now to he was last year, but I, I, everybody can see my hands. Like the, the gap from where he was last year to not everybody to, listening in post to now. Well, then they should have been watching. They should have been watching. Fair uh, enough. <laughs> the gap from where he was last year to now is probably gone that much, but I think the gap in the competition kind of lowers, like that's what makes the other part of the gap bigger. So I think that's a little bit of the competition too, but at the same time, dude, he's killing it. I mean, like, they, I don't know why Lawrence brother can't do a triple crown, but other than that, they've been they, they've been the only ones winning. So I think that's a I think that's a big step for them, and just cool to see. And I I've always liked Hunter. I think that he's been capable of this for a long time, and to see him being the guy just like his brother, I, I it's awesome. I, it's huge for him, and I'd like to see where it happens in the the two showdowns. Hey, Mel, your thoughts? I'm so bummed. I want a real two fifty championship yeah. fight. Do we, do we just a, good good for Hunter? Yeah. Do we just need to go to a? We need to go <laughs> it's gonna to be a, okay, Mel. <laughs> get rid no, of the it sucks. Do we just need to get rid of the regionals two fifties? I'm always the biggest proponent against that, but at the moment, yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm over it. All right. I'm over it. This two fifties two fifty seasons are gonna put me to sleep. How about this topic with Hunter Lawrence and Nate Thrasher, the uh, Peacock, the, the announcers? They're building it up, and there's. 
been the story of them asking the media to not talk about or not to ask Hunter, I guess, about the incident at Daytona. Have you heard anything about that email? Have you seen anything official? What are your thoughts? Official? They asked me not to. Okay. I, <laughs> you know that. I, I did again. Didn't know if you, you wanted. Did, you knew that already. Didn't no, know if you they, openly they, wanted to say it or not. Well, I've already posted all. Of, it's already Steve talked about it. I told yeah. on the forum what was said to us. Yeah, no. Before the so, press conference, um, they openly asked everybody physically attending to not ask, um, Hunter Thrasher about the the incident. And for us, that were on virtual. I was on virtual since I didn't physically attend. You did this week or this past weekend. Uh, we all got sent a message to not ask about it, which kind of made me chuckle in my head when I first saw it. Cause I was like, well, that's last week's news. They didn't get into it again anymore. It's sort of those things like, what's the worst way to get people to stop talking about something, ask them to stop talking about it. I'm like, I wasn't going to ask anything. Steve, a couple of us have joked about it, which I, I have been a little bit confused by like, you've had um, the general fan response and rightfully so they're like, Hey, this is BS that people get silenced like that. But they're also like, Oh, I would have asked anyways. Why didn't any of you ask? I'm like, well, that wasn't going to be my question anyways. Like, Nothing else happened this weekend, so mm, wasn't was I was gonna talk about what was going on that weekend. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think I don't know. Just like anything else, our sport, we have so little. The, the athletes have so little accountability. Um. To have to do media compared to other sports. I mean, if we had a freaking outdoor race last year where the two fifty guys didn't even show up for a press conference because they wanted to leave early. Um. And and yet they tell us what we can't cast. It's just just mind-boggling to me um if anything like I say, it's completely backfired it's been taken so poorly from public opinion um for for hunter and his camp because you know we we got told that by feld um as it is most obvious to people it seems like it has come from one of the riders camps it seems obvious which one it likely came from um so got yeah, it it's more backfired from public opinion than really done any good yeah i it's kind of it's so I'm torn a little bit or I don't know if torn is the right word but like yeah you could go in there and you could have asked the question anyways it's a small small sport and the powers that be could be like all right well we asked you to not do something you did it you're out I mean that's like you have to there's still a line even whether you like it or not you kind of have to be careful you could yes say well this is media this is what we do but there might be repercussions uh, where's yeah, my freedom I think of there's, speech there's man. like personal responsibility there though like we're not going to create chaos mm -hmm. but at the same time telling somebody what they can't can't can press like yeah we're not gonna i don't know there, there's things that are over the line in the press conference but that's a storyline that's what happened last week and bs that we cannot talk about what happened on track that is absolute garbage complete garbage this sport already is so sensitive and we go to this, it just, it frustrates me from our job standpoint. Like I have a very hard time at the end of the day. If somebody asks me what I do for a living, I can't say journalist, honestly, most <laughs> of the time, because we don't get to act like real journalists. And I get really frustrated when I read comments on social media and forum, people that bag on, on media people in this sport and give us crap for our jobs. And it's like, look, this is the kind of crap we deal with. Like it is, we play a completely unlevel playing field. I've told multiple people this have felt that we have no power. Again, nobody has to do an interview with us. They can walk away. They aren't required to do anything. Um, the riders and the teams hold all the power in, in that conversation. And in that regards, um, it is very, you know, I haven't worked in their sport, but I've asked journalists in F1 that I've met, um, OGPR once and it does not seem to go down like this. Um, 
yeah. So this, that's my little rant. I'm just very frustrated. Um, I get it. Why fans are frustrated by what they see come out of media, but I'm also frustrated as a media guy because of what we can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Can, like, can you imagine if they told the NFL reporters that you can't ask about a guy's injury or you can't ask about the, the coaching decision that they made? Those guys just are pros at not answering this stuff or, or skirting around it. Like there is no way you could tell those, those sports analysts in the, in the major sports like basketball and NFL and stuff there, there was never going to be that in those sports. No, it's, it's big thing is our sport is small enough. There's so little separation between us and who we need to deal with. Um, Like when I saw somebody was kind of commenting, like why we haven't asked, you know, somebody wanted to ask a very direct question of Eli um, with what happened last week. And like, why aren't you guys hammering him? I'm like, good luck. I get one question, a press conference. Um, Press conferences are probably the ones I ask the most critical questions because they are more on the spot. Personal one, if I walk up to Eli and just throw that down his throat as the very first question, he's just going to glare at me afterwards. Like, good luck. Not only did I grenade that interview, I grenaded any interview with him for the next year. Yeah, exactly. Um, You you have to be smart about it. I I get people think like, oh, you should just be like a news reporter and shoveling it down the throat. You, You still can't do that. Whether we're talking about, I guess, NBA, if you're just the random dude stand by camera yelling for a comment afterwards in a press conference, one thing, but when you do have to deal with lifestyle pieces, when you do have to deal with the athletes one-on-one um, for a lot of stuff, yeah, you, you, you have to have some level of courtesy, some level of respect for them. Um, but at the same time, it, it feels like a moto quite often. It's, it's like playing with little kid gloves on um, how, how much we have to tread around and, and tiptoe around um, certain subjects again individual interviews in the guy's time when they don't need to give it to us. I understand it. Um, but the press conference is the one little piece we have in this sport that barely has some level of, of openness, you know, of on the spot and it gets restricted. Uh, okay. We're going to move on real quick to a quick, you don't want to listen to me pissing. Anymore. No, no, it's good. We're just, <laughs> no, no, we just got a couple more things we need to get to. No, and he, he doesn't Michael. Yeah, we're gonna he's talk- afraid right now. He thinks he's going to show up at the next race and get his pass revoked mm-hmm. off my behalf. Not me. Just you. <laughs> Shocking. How many trucks I keep getting banned out of this year. <laughs> Let's do let's a quick, let's do a quick Motul GP review. I want to thank Motul and uh, talk to you about their Motul 300V. For decades, Motul has developed high-performance synthetic ester-based lubricants by selecting esters over other high-performance synthetic-based stocks and combining them with an innovative additive pro, uh, package. Motul has created a perfect synergy. This most advanced ester core technology allows the maximum power output of the engine without compromising reliability and wear. You can find this and, and the entire Motul Power Sports product lineup at their online website, shopmotul.code.com, and enter the code VITAL20 to receive 20% off your order of $50 or more, or go to any local cycle gear store or online at any major Power Sports website. All right, Motul GP review, ML. Um, we know that I am not the most uh, educated in GPs. I am getting into it this year. I watched the... MXGP of Argentina at Patagonia last night, dude. Those that was some good racing. It, it oh, what what stood out? Fantastic. It, yeah, it's always good when I've watched them. But what was so cool is just the inconsistencies of all the top guys. They're just all over the place because it's so close. Uh, fantastic race. Uh, Ruben Fernandez wins with a five-one, but somehow Prado is in the points lead. 
Uh, I know you have some thoughts on that. I have some thoughts on that. But what do you think of the Argentina MXGP overall for the season? Does Do you feel like it's going to be reflective of what we're going to see the rest of the season? Um, starting with the MXGP class, I'm not sure. Yes, Jeffrey had a, a slow start to the season, but there's nothing in my mind that doesn't doubt that Jeffrey could turn it up in the next round or two and start to run away with this, which always worries me. Um, I think it's great to see Jorge Prado bounce back. Last year was rough for him. Um, personally, I would love to see a, a Prado hurlings um, duke it out each week. I think those two easily can elevate themselves uh, kind of above the current group. Um, Paul Jonas um, had a very solid opening round. The Yamaha boys were very up and down. Jeremy Seward decided to scare the living hell out of everybody um, during the qualifying race. Um, Ruben Fernandez was a shock. Um, and me and Lewis talked about this a little bit was it, it just still blows my mind. And I, I'm trying to think of how to word this. This is going to come off like dit just bagging on, on MX2. But from an American standpoint, like back when we had the USGPs, MX2 guys would come over here. I mean, we would be at a USGP and like Shane McGrath and Jesse Nelson would smoke them. I always kind of had more of like a down look on MX2 a little bit. Like, oh, like it's a good field of guys. But continuously, year after year, guys from MX2 that aren't even the champions move up and do really well on 450s. Um, again, you know, Fernandez, Fevro was like that back in the day. Even though Geiser won an MX2 title, moved up. You know, he did it a year. Jeffrey wasn't there and it wasn't dominant. He came up and killed it. Um I think I already said Renault, uh, uh, Mattia Guadagini. I can't pronounce his name. There, there's so many of these guys that do it every year. Um, and it makes me think like with the RJ situation, it's like, F it. Do we need to win 250 titles or do we just need to move up when the time feels like it's right? Because clearly GPs has proven to me over and over again that screw championships, screw proving yourself when the time's right, you just move up and make it happen. Scotty, yeah, I, I don't know enough about the history and that's been obvious to, to really comment on that, but um, it, it's just a different, it's a different breed of rider over there. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know how that, I don't know how to compare that to the USML cause I just haven't watched it enough to know the history of that. I just have to believe that, you know what you're talking about, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, supposedly we'll see. Yeah. This is sad that I'm the MXGP expert in the room. Poor Lewis is freaking. Yeah, yeah, if Lewis listens back, somewhere. he'll be going crazy. Yeah. But, uh, I was definitely jumping on the uh, Renault bandwagon. I think that's going to be my guy. Uh, he went three nine. He was, you know, fast. He he obviously he had a, a crash in the waves. I think they called him. But uh, the, the yeah, rollers. we don't call him whoops over there. We yeah. call him wave sections. But, well, those were there definitely no bigger. Those were definitely bigger than whoops. But he caught that knuckle, and that was pretty gnarly. But um, it, it was really exciting. I can't wait for the next one, which I think is in two weeks. Scotty, you watched it back. You watched some of it. You didn't get it all recorded, but um, thoughts on the GP? Well, yeah, Hulu kind of kind of hoed me a little bit. It didn't <laughs> it didn't record the the premiere class, so I I really don't have a hadn't had a chance to kind of catch up on it. I will say, hearing what Michael said about or no, what you said about them being kind of like sporadic, kind of all over the place. Yeah, that's kind of weird to me because what I've seen in the past is they kind of get in a in a single file line from first, second, third, fourth, and they're all within like 10 seconds, but they kind of stay there. So for you to say that, what, what, what MXGP race have you watched? (laughs) Dude, in the past, it seems like they kind of gets a little bit of a line. They have so much more racing than the U S. Oh my God. I I have to cut you off. You have watched. I I think you're misinterpreting me. I'm saying that like you, I think that like the top 10 stays closer together in the GPs than we does in the U S. 
like no, time wise, time wise. Well, you said single file. I'm like, they don't stay single file. No, they but they it's it it's out. Well, yeah, my it, point was like looking at the results right now. From first, say to let's go to seventh. Uh, five one was Rubens. Hurlings went four two. Prado one six. Favre two five. Jonas six four. Renault three nine. Sewer. 17-3. Like, there's no consistency there. Yeah, that is kind of all over the place. Yeah. It's, it's normally that, not like that well, from think, what I've seen. I, I mean, think ML saying it is. No, I, I was saying when he said the single oh, file thing, I fired up. Because okay. I'm like, no, these guys duke it out. Yes, yeah. there is usually more of a set uh, running or opening round definitely had a lot of up and downs. You would see guys more like one threes and four fives and, and a nine six or something like that. Definitely some big spreads on on like Jeremy's um, finish. Of course, Glenn's was pretty spread out. Um, but I don't know, some consistent like Paul's with the six, four was good. Um, it, it definitely opened up like, I mean, with no Tim, with Jeffrey coming off such a long layoff, um, it is exciting, at least for these opening rounds. Hopefully it keeps it a little bit more open again. I wouldn't shock me if hurlings and Prado take it over, um, fairly quickly. Um, but it, it definitely has started like a great storyline um, for this championship mm-hmm. just to, to see such a mix in results and, and such an open-ended question of really who, who has their stuff together. Um, I think the other cool open-ended question here is seeing the Yamaha boys kind of struggle where Yamaha with, with Tomac here, there hasn't, we, we kind of instantly ended those question marks of like, Oh, is the 23 dialed? Well, here we're seeing it raced outdoors. And, and clearly those guys had kind of a rough opener. Yeah, fair point. Uh, what do you do, does does uh? It's not U-string. What uh, what is it called now? The new one, not U-string. What is it now? Um, I'm oh, blocked. in front, in front. Do they leave themselves any kind of opening to change the ten points for the winning the qualifier race to maybe a little less than ten points, or do you think they're sticking with it? Because it it's a, kind of a bad look that Prado is the points leader. Oh, it's it's terrible that you go through the opening round. The dude who <laughs> wins. The overall isn't the guy with the red plate at the end. It's so confusing. I, I mean, it makes sense if you look at, it, but it's just super frustrating. Um, I mean, I don't think from a professional standpoint, I don't think you can change midseason. Like you can't just go, oh, we changed our minds. Yeah, sorry, Prado gets all these points from the one earlier in the season. Like you can't yeah. do that. They're they're gonna have to hang this out all season. Um, it is. It will be interesting. You know. Uh, I was listening to to Lewis and Wheeler talk about this and I thought they're on point. I really didn't feel anything extra from the qualifying race. I didn't feel like guys were killing themselves to get those, those extra couple points. However, that attitude might change as we get later into the season. It once, once things settle in, if guys are really battling it out for the championship, the qualifying races could get really exciting, but up until that point, I don't, the, f- the first half of the season, I don't really see it changing how the qualifying races are done. I think the guys are just going to ride them out. Um, they're going to get points for them. It's going to make things confusing, but I don't think it really comes into play in the storyline until later in the, later in the championship. It's, it's not just points for the guy who wins qualifying. Is it, is it point structured all the way down? Uh, I believe so, but I didn't look how deep it goes. Probably top 10, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm excited for the rest of the season. I'm all in. Um, let's move on to our last segment of the night, the 60 picks for Detroit. Since its inception almost 12 years ago, 60 Helmets has been dedicated to the relentless pursuit of brain protection. From the beginning, from the original ATR1 to its successor, the ATR2, the goal is to develop a revolutionary design concept utilizing creative, forward-thinking technology that would change the market and prove the safety capabilities of the sports helmet. 
The helmet is the most important piece of protective equipment you will purchase. So visit 60helmets.com or go to your local dealer and ask for 6D. 6D picks for Detroit. So for Indy, uh, <laughs> yeah, we were, no, we were off on that one. <laughs> I went Webb, Eli, Sexton. Scotty, you went Webb, Sexton, Eli. Lewis went Sexton, go figure. Webb, Eli, none of us were correct. Going into Detroit, I'm wondering <laughs> if anybody's going to switch this thing up. Um, I'm going Webb, Eli, Barsha. Those are my picks. ML, what you got for Detroit? Sexton, Barsha, Eli. Okay. Scotty? I'm going to go Eli, Webb, Barsha. That's what you did, right? Is that, or is that different? Uh, you swap Webb and Eli. Okay. So those are our picks. Here's what I want to do. I, I want to get our listeners involved in this. Uh, show at gmail.com. Send us your picks, and we'll start going. I'll go through the picks. If anybody gets it dead on or if a bunch of people get it dead on, we'll pick a winner for some kind of giveaway. We'll come up with something, uh, and don't forget about the FXR casual giveaway. Maybe next time we'll do the FXR casual for this, but send us your emails with your picks, and we'll get we'll try to get some prizes to a somebody that gets involved. We want to hear what you guys think. Maybe you guys have something totally off the wall. Um, and again, MotoXPodShow at gmail.com is our email for contests, comments, questions, critiques, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, ML, anything else before we wrap this thing up tonight? Um, no, I thought I thought my head. Okay, Scotty, anything else? <laughs> um, I was, I did that so that Sexton will win and I'll be wrong because I want Sexton That's to what win. I said last week. Yeah. It didn't work. <laughs> well, maybe we'll, we'll try, we're going to try okay. it again. <laughs> Well, I want to thank our presenting sponsors, Racetech and Boyson, as well as Prox, X-Brand, Guts Racing, FXR, 60, Luxon MX, Motul, WUSA. I want to thank Christian Craig, Cody Shock, Travis Sewells, Michael Lindsay, Scotty Thompson. Appreciate all you guys coming on. We are going to wrap this thing up. We'll be back next week with a new show. Thanks for listening.